It is. Uh, it's been a I'm sorry, are we week. starting? Yeah, no, we're not starting. We're starting now. <laughs> starting? Starting. Okay. So, um, yeah, Scott Adams had um, something to say in the last couple of days. He's, uh, his uh, literal words were, um, so you anti-vaxxers were right. You see, here's the thing I don't like about the way that's phrased, is uh, there's a difference between someone who's skeptical about something, and we covered this way at the beginning and throughout, pretty made, made pretty well clear. There's a difference between someone who's skeptical about something um, and is willing to put forward reasonable criticism and reasonable questions, and an anti-vaxxer uh, whose blanket basal argument is vaccine bad, and then fills in the gaps as any kind of creationist would to uh, make the reality bend to their opinion. Well, that's a fair Big assessment. difference. But, you know, also... Big difference. Well, you know what? Honestly, let me just uh, play the beginning of this thing here. You should be able to hear it through the mic. Completely. Having, uh, having said as clearly as possible that the anti-vax people seem to be the winners, I want you to hear that clearly. The anti-vax people appear to be the winners. The anti-vaxxers mm. clearly are the winners at this point, and I think it'll probably stay that way. And and I don't want to put any shade on that whatsoever. They That's not saying they're right. That's saying they won. Position. Mm-hmm. The unvaccinated have a current advantage. There's a fine distinction there. Oh, it is. It is. And he goes on to explain that basically, you know, you're... Your hur- well, his specific words were, your heuristics beat out my analytics. That's literally exactly what he says. And you know what? He's right. It's like, yeah, your gut feeling. And then goes on to explain basically where he's coming from with that, in that, you know, you distrust the government. You distrust these large corporations. And that was absolutely the right thing to do in this case. And- well, it's interesting because so like, the the, uh, the funny thing here is, is if you look at where people... Broke I'll down as to where they were going too, if you to. want to actually check it out later. Okay. You look at where people broke down as to where they're going to, um, where they're going to kind of plant feet, and it's interesting how that that kind of played out as time went on, and uh, where people shifted back and forth on things. I mean, we pointed this out with just you know just masks way at the beginning. Um, oh, absolutely. It just the way that flip flopped between different positions. Well, amongst all three of us, even there was never a misunderstanding with that it's like to just put it bluntly steve was basically just much more strict at the uh very early on like listen if you're going to do it you have yourself a full fucking elastomeric um, elastomeric mask that completely covers anything oh, yeah. that could be in taking this or you're fucking around and wasting your time and well it kind of appears that that's not too and, far off from it. I mean, you can. Well, get, so here's the thing: is is I mean, when it, we look, it's at, a little hyperbolic, but when you look through the data and what was presented and what what is actually like the the reality of the matter here is, we talked about theory versus practice, and you know the idea that the layperson can't put on a mask correctly, I think is is uh, is just as facetious as the idea that everybody will wear a mask correctly. Now that said, we have seen some very poor mask wearing ability. The peeking nose, the the chin poking out. uh, My favorite one is the one where the mask is worn sideways and it covers the whole nose all the way up to between the eyes. 
Um, but only the that nose. one just that. Well, no, it, it, the one where they if they wear it sideways, it covers from chin up to eyebrows, and if the wonder. Um, oh, 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 oh on, having it twisted. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, that, I haven't that, seen I, that I, one. I saw oh, that wow. one unironically. Unironically, saw that one. Oh wow! Like, without, that's that guy first, not trying to make a joke. Yeah, like that person takes some in, doing. Wasn't a geriatric either. It was someone in their in the middle age. You know, looked like in their like mid forties. No, just I I I could like did everyone else wearing it in a certain way not give you a clue, man? You know, had gloves on. That was the other thing that got me. Hmm. Yeah, just brilliance. Oh dear. At, at the uh, at the Kroger by uh, by campus, I saw a guy doing that. It's just I could not understand. But yeah, so like it, you know, just on mass, sure. Like the the the, the difference between the pra- practical application versus the theoretical. Same deal here. I mean, we talked about the uh, the kind of time urgency on how a vaccine works versus not works. And yeah, here's the thing: is is uh, if you don't want a vaccine to work. Your best position is to be a pain in the ass and try to get as many other people as possible not to use it. And then, of course, herd immunity won't be reached, and then the vaccine will outlive its utility because the virus will evolve and the vaccine will no longer work uh, effectively or at all. And so, you know, it's, actually, it's a, self, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Is is kind of the problem on that one? It's it's a non-falsifiable hypothesis to be an obstinate. Uh, and in a large enough scale. So, I mean, there's that side of things. And then, of course, you have the other side of it, which is how effective were they really? We went through all the data that was presented to the uh, FDA by Pfizer. We spent the time to go through that data before the vaccine was ever disseminated. And we looked at the sample size. We looked at the, the kind of risks analysis that were done. And it was, you know, it was interesting in, in itself uh, there, we had opinions on whether or not there was a significant enough sample size in terms of the relative population involved and the kind of relative risks of the population for vaccine, vaccinated, not vaccinated, uh, daily uh, risk profiles. Everybody was taking precautions at the time, and they were not instructed to do any differently. So you know, there is the, the pool of people that were going to be exposed was so much smaller than you know, we might have wanted. Duh. Uh, it was also it was a phase two, three, so it wasn't like it was going to be a full phase three, but that's typical with an expedited setup like that. The thing that actually bothered me from the anti-vaxxer side of things was that they were taking instructions that are typical of, um, of, of any novel biologic, which means anything that hasn't passed FDA. That doesn't mean like... That's like if, F, if Advil changed the dye in the uh, gel cap. They'd have to go through a new FDA approval. Um, and so there are instructions that are involved with things like that. And just, so every every annual flu vaccine has the same kind of instruction. Stay away from pregnant women if you get vaccinated. Yada, yada. Like, that's all boilerplate. But that was being taken as part of the results, not part of the instructions being presented to the FDA for the, the trial proposal. Oh, and we're well, no, that's like that's a very good point because they were actually, you know, quite uh, quite reluctant to provide any of that information. And Plus, the other thing is, is so the the full results, you know, they that's that finally got dumped, which is great. Uh, but unfortunately, for 
people who are trying to be more of a pain in the ass about it than otherwise. And that, and here's the thing is reasonable skepticism still merits uh, 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 allowances there. Like you can, you should still, if you, if you have questions, you should still like ask them. And so that's something that needed to be, that, that was, that was being improperly um, assigned towards anti-vaxxers like that. That is not an anti-vax position to take. To say I want to see it working before well, I put it in my body. There people body. that are not actually anti-vax that were against this. Yeah, for completely reasonable. You know, yeah, and, and, and some of them for some of them for unreasonable um, positions. But again, it's it is your body, and if you have reasonable questions, no matter whether or not you're being rational when you ask them, the question can be rational, perfectly rational, and asked by a person who is in hysterics because they've been told. A whole bunch of bullshit and scared shitless. Like people, people wanted to be reassured, and the response was to pop people on the head and say, "Stop being an anti-vaxer. Uh, don't you, don't you, don't you want to save children and not kill grandma? You know, uh, that kind of bullshit." Well, it's speaking of grandma, actually, uh, Bats here has made an interesting point about uh, the studies that we've got that are out yeah. now. They're showing pretty noticeable increases in myocarditis and related issues in the elderly that are vaccinated as opposed to those that are not. Okay. So here's the fun thing. Again, myocarditis is worse with the virus. Period. Just the way it works. And if we're talking about clinical presentation of myocarditis, so when it's bad enough to feel the need to go to the hospital, like... That was important. So we've... That's copium. Get the fuck out of here. That's not copium. I explain, this is the exact same shit I said a year ago, two years ago. Exact same shit I was saying. Well, I will uh, I will admit, you know, you haven't really changed your... Uh, yeah, see, here's the funny thing. You, you, start off, you start off with... Here's, here's, the, here's where the bullshit's going to come in. Blah, 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 studies saying such and such about myocarditis, and then you're immediately going to turn around and start talking about me trusting the numbers for COVID deaths? Like, are you going... You, one standard will do just fine here. you got to pick one. And if if you're going to go by Veer's data, by the way, that has never been designed to be any kind of comprehensive analysis on the state of, uh, of the population. It's just never meant to be a reliable source of information. Well, that's true, Period. but also we were never meant to be kept so in the dark about a topic of uh, such importance. Sure. No, no, I agree. Like, this whole thing has been absolutely turned upside down and sideways. So, I mean, we kind of can't trust yeah. anybody, so we have to take what information we can get from wherever we can get it. You know, for good or ill. Blah, blah, blah. You don't question the numbers when it's already told that COVID deaths are over. Okay, so last time we uh, we discussed some graphics um, that I had just thrown together because I was fucking around in the morning. So when I look at things like the deaths that are involved, if I'm not going to just blanket trust COVID deaths, then I start by looking at the all-cause deaths, which are not like... Uh, now, to like, be like, fair, all-cause deaths are also up. I feel like this. All-cause deaths are really hard to fake. It's like th These are not numbers where there's wishy-washy. 
Graphics from who? From me. I said I prepared them. <laughs> graphics from who? So I used OECD data, which tracks... Um, so they, they track uh, these kind of um, uh, demographic data from different countries. Uh, so they're just, they're just pulling our uh, CDC data. But again, all-cause deaths are all causes. So you either died or you didn't. There's not like, uh, oh, well, maybe they're dead. It's like in the final numbers, you either died or you didn't. So if you start from there and you say, okay, let's, let's just go ahead and look at excess deaths and then how do these things track? And we looked at, uh, you know, the, uh, um, when vaccinations were began, uh, when vaccinations began and the populations that were most, uh, impacted or most, sorry, most, uh, vaccinated versus least vaccinated versus, uh, when the virus was known to have been, uh, worse or, uh, or weaker. And, you know, it looks like it, it's likely that the vaccine had a positive benefit. And then it's also likely that the vaccine, the uh, virus got uh, weaker. And it's not something that you could easily say what the, uh, what the majority impact was, especially given the fact that the, uh, uh, the vaccines are basically wearing off because of things evolving. Well, and we also. Okay, have... so here, here's what I'll say to you. Bass, when you, you know, quote me, likely had a positive benefit. How, how likely does it have to be? And, and this isn't like, I'm not going to come in and give you a number and say, aha, it was that likely, therefore you are wrong. It's, what is, what is your bar for certainty here? Because you're not going to get 100% certainty. And at this point, you're going to be largely looking at retrospective studies. You're not going to be seeing, um, you know, something ahead of time. And again, so no, no um, viral vaccine that has been disseminated went through a trial went through trials that were longer than a year every single one of them the, the phase one through the end where it gets or it gets deployed the research into the technology might have gone on for longer or you know to isolate the proper strains for longer uh, longer term uh, vaccinations etc but when you look at the turnaround time it's always going to be less than a year and you're going to get a certain amount of certainty out of that. And we, we actually did go over these deficiencies in the Pfizer data when it was presented, even though that appears to have been a misrepresentation of the data overall. And we've got company. Welcome to the show. Hello. Fantastic. What's going on, man? You got me for about a half hour. Oh, man. Well, that is that is just a shame. I uh, I apologize. Unfortunately, I have, you know life i saw you were you were dealing with some stuff yeah yeah no worries man that's cool no worries. Uh, happy yeah. to have you around yeah you know it's always good to be here it's just uh you know sitting there and being a fly on the wall watching you try to defend something without any basis whatsoever to defend so you know it's really it's really just entertaining for well, what's what is it specifically that i'm defending without a basis here uh the i think it likely had a positive effect there is no basis for that whatsoever there, yeah, there is a there basis. Is, I, I've showed there, it. I've showed it before. A basis. Honestly, I'll, I'll, no, I'll there isn't a basis. Pictures. Look, I'll the bottom line. Pictures. This is this goes down to so so something I mentioned last week was there's the NTJs and the NTPs, and the NTJs mm -hmm. are good scientists, and the NTPs aren't really good at it. And the big difference between the J and the P, and this is what you're seeing between Craigles and I right here, the Js are very oh. rule based. You have mm -hmm. to actually meet certain certain criteria. Essentially. 
whenever I read a study, if it doesn't have, I, I linked something earlier this week on trans stuff, right? Didn't have a control. Yeah, All right, mm-hmm. crap study. Boom, we're done. Right. Same thing's true for the Vax data, right? Uh-huh. You either have numbers proving in a clinical setting with controls that it did mm-hmm. something, or you have no basis. And Again. ultimately, what we're seeing right now, the very fact uh-huh. that we're, we're having this debate publicly yeah, okay. uh, about the efficacy of the vaccine is all entirely tied to the fact that they didn't have fucking when they released it. They had no basis. So, they don't have anything that they can point to. Again, defend. I went ahead. It's and basically at a whole bunch of people kind of pulling shit out of their ass and claiming they did a good job. And just again, like you talked about earlier went, with the COVID I deaths, that was yourself, all fake man. data too. So there's no basis. You have Slow nothing. Your fucking self down, man. As I said, I went ahead and looked at all cause death data. That doesn't tell you shit. It doesn't tell you shit. You you if have you, no if, basis. If I have a broken have down zero by basis. Age. Broken down zero by basis. Age. No, you have no basis. You have no when... data that shows that the vaccine had a positive we know, we effect know, or a negative we know effect. When, we know when the vaccines were deployed. And we know yes, after the virus, which... they were four, had already died out. That's correct. We know, yes, which, they were. We know yep. which populations had the greatest depth of vaccination. We, we also... Age brackets... We also don't know what the percentage and of we know, actual people so who had as I said, in the population as I said was. before, as I said before, there are multiple competing factors that will cause a group to have a greater or lower relative. And there are multiple competing factors which aren't controlled, which norm. means you don't have an empirical basis upon which to base your statement. It's that simple. Okay, hold it's on a really second. Really, that's here because, it, it, here's, here's my you either have no data cause. or you you're, don't you're have data. Signing, you either have controls signing, or you don't have controls. I don't give you're a signing fuck. A, you're what assigning you think. a fucking motive here, and you're saying you're. I'm not assigning any I'm motive. I have assigned nothing. You're, I said that you have no basis. Fucking words in my mouth. I, I said you stop have no it. basis. Stop I haven't it. said you have a motive. I haven't said anybody has a motive. I say you have no basis, which for what? you don't. No basis for You're what? Like, no, well, no, there's, no, no. there's a lot of different it's factors that may have had an effect. Congratulations, Craig. Yeah, no basis. You, no if basis. you don't have controls. How, how do I have a basis for saying that? Because you don't, you don't have any controls. You can't say what was a factor and what wasn't a factor. There's no data that you can point to that says, yeah, it had a positive effect. Right, we we don't know because they didn't yeah, you do see, again. Study. You are assigning. To be you're fair, ass- there was you're, almost you're, you're a, putting words in my mouth. Again. It was almost intentional. The lack of control groups in that. Hey, I, it doesn't matter what no, the, you keep, what the you cause. Keep putting was. words into my mouth. I haven't put anything in into your mouth. I've sat there and said that your statement was false. You fucking did. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, you didn't listen to the statement. And then he just okay. Said your your statement you was, was you believe. I heard it. Your statement uh-huh. was that you believe that you, no. we can say pretty clearly no. that it had some sort of positive effect. Then when Batman challenged you on it, which he did, and I think it was fair for him to call it oh, out. Oh boy, again, your I said response may, was is, that doesn't I, mean I it has. Read. That does your your well, argument get, was whether whether it's deflection from zero. That doesn't. No, no, you can you can you can argue with me now, or, or you can argue with what I wrote earlier, which is exactly what I meant. And you're just not going to address that because why the fuck would you? Which which thing did you write early that you'd like me to address? I'll go into it. Okay. No, no, here, let me just go ahead and say this right now. As I've said before, and you were not present there, so I'll just reiterate for you. From this data, there are multiple competing factors that could, could, could have had an impact 
And the more important point to stress here is that not only do they compete with each other, they can both counter each other and add to each other. You know exactly so, what the relationship between them is? So to... Do uh, you know well, exactly what the relationship between them is? Numerically, can you empirically that's the whole tell fucking me... Point. No, 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 no. Can you empirically tell me what the magnitude of each effect was on case outcome? Can you tell the me that empirically? Can you, you, this, you yes, no, 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 no. Can you tell me empirically what the what the actual impact of each of those factors that you're kind of gesticulating to the universe about had on actual cases? Can you tell me no. empirically what that is? No. Then that means you don't fucking know. <laughs> okay, okay. So it's that simple. <gasps> What 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 about my language is not conveying this to you clearly? As I said before, the, the whole entire fucking stuff. point is that you can't know. The whole yeah. fucking point is that you can't right. know. So if you can't know, then you can't make statements like we think it had a positive effect. It's that simple. It's well, very you simple. Can, no, you either can make a statement that's defensible, or you can't make a statement that's defensible. Actually, I did make a defensible statement, and you're just which blowing was, which was not like, trying defensible. to assign. You know, you're skipping, you're skipping the entirety of the statement to focus on half of it. No, I'm not. I'm yes, skipping the part. I'm skipping to the point where you said we can say that it probably had a positive effect, and going right back to the fact of That's how do you actually you extract what positive That's... effect it may or may not have had when you yourself identify that there's a whole host of variables which could have That's... had a variety of different effects, all of which have probably right. swamped the, the signal whole fucking because we don't have different control statements. Studies. The whole diff the whole fucking point here is that the different statements that you could s that you can make within the error of the data that's available means that you don't know what positive or negative effect the vaccine may or may not have had. You don't know. Right? You you will not be able one... to distinguish from zero yeah. the effect of the vaccine because the magnitude of all of the other variables which they didn't control for is unknown. And if the magnitude of those variables is unknown, the magnitude of the effect of the vaccine is also unknown. So you cannot make any sort of claim whatsoever on its efficacy or lack of efficacy. What we can say, definitively, is they didn't do their fucking job. And that's why we're talking about it. Because had they done their job, we could point to something. But we can't point to something. And if we can't point to something, we don't know. So it's complete shit show. And that's why we have the people who are coming out there and saying that it was a net negative. They don't know either. But there's nothing to dissuade them. There's nothing to point to to say, yep, you're wrong. Well, because what we do know is we do know that data was artificially manipulated to produce specific outcomes in social policy. Yeah, yeah. We know that happened, that, right? That's undeniable. That's one thing that we know. So we know they fuck with the numbers. We don't know what any of the numbers are. So we don't know whether the vaccine was actually effective or no better than saline, right? Or worse than saline. We just don't know. And that's where we should be. And that's the statement we should be making as scientists, as engineers. We shouldn't be prognosticating that maybe it had an effect. It possibly could have had an effect. We don't know. The variables and the magnitudes you know are outside of know? our comprehension. You know what we do know? We know when it would have had an effect. That's the whole fucking point I was that making. That doesn't tell us whether it had an effect or not. That tells us where to look. No, it doesn't. It How doesn't because it? there's too many variables. It it's too many variables. Okay, it doesn't no, matter if you, they tell you where to look. If it they look, tell you where it, to look, hey, that's great. Sometime Steve, over the last Steve, three years, we should see some sort of great result. Fantastic. Steve, Identify whether any, it's people can, staying right, at home. Let me, let 
Let me put it like this. How can the vaccine have had a positive effect if it wasn't even in the population? That, that is a is... zero. That is a binary weather. Sure. That is okay. A binary I'll, give yes you, no. I'll give you for all of 2020, the vaccine had no effect. Good. Sure. That now, doesn't mean to, that in about, 2021 it had a positive how effect. How about when it comes to deaths? It would have had no effect in 2020. Good. Sure. That doesn't mean that it had a positive effect. Mm, or even well. a slightly positive effect. Now, here's here's what I can also say. If you look at that graphic I posted in our, our uh, uh, staff chat here, I can also say that relative to the average over everyone, seniors had a better time on that third big peak than people who were 64 or younger. Yeah, but by 2021, all of the seniors that were really susceptible to COVID had pretty much been wiped off the face of the planet. Like, Wrong. our politicians did that. In New York, yes, but not everywhere else. <laughs> New York and Michigan and Pennsylvania. Yeah. Right? Like, it, Florida. It, it, it didn't the, happen in the, Florida. The, the disease had already rampaged through the population in year one. Sitting there and saying, hey, we cut the grass, and again, the remainder is a little bit again, resistant, doesn't mean that the vaccine had a positive effect. I'm not saying that the vaccine had a positive effect. I'm saying that if I look at this data right here, that the yellow line on that third big hump is below the blue line, and then the gray and the red lines are above. That is the and? extent of what I was saying. But that doesn't tell you that the vaccine had any sort of effect. And if I go back and I look at the two before That's it, still, I can see like, like the this yellow. Is, this is the J versus the P here. If I go, if, not, if hey, if I go, if I go back, chart, which I, 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 look at the data. If I go back to the two peaks before that, I can see that yellow was in agreement with the average, the blue. You know, the mean was above, but the error bars cross. I look at the peak after that, I can see that yellow is not only at the mean below blue, but it does not agree. It does not coincide. But, but those those actual signal it. lines, they cross each other up and down throughout the entire thing. Again, right? if it, you look at the... It's the, not the, like uh, you can't... There's different regions of interest here, but there are clear it, gaps. It's the not, gaps it's not regions important. of interest. Those signal lines cross I, each uh, other. A peak isn't interesting? I think the peak's very interesting. No, it's not. Those signal lines, those signal lines cross each other on a regular basis, right? We cannot infer peak to peak what we see in in between those individual peaks. I can say and I observed or I didn't observe. And then somehow correlate it to vaccine efficacy. You can't not, do that. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But then you can. So then, at least admit that you can't say that the vaccine had a positive effect. You are. It I is very impossible clearly to said say. that. I very no, you didn't. Said that. You said that. It, <laughs> I don't know how many times I have to fucking say it. I very clearly said it. Oh, you did not. You said you said yes or no. I said no. And then he started going on a diatribe. Then he said yes or no. no, no and no, I said no. No, no, no. Well, and then he's going where... on it again. It's the same exact uh, shit over I, I and over believe, again. Uh, I'll Mr. Mr. Batman, Mr. It. Batman, would you, would you would you repost the uh where is it? Likely had a positive benefit. Because that was the exact words. That Again, that is half of what I was saying, and you <laughs> stopped there and it shouldn't. Fist. It shouldn't even come out of your mouth, bro. Like, that's not, not? something that you could say. You it's either you either have data, or you don't. You can either identify things empirically, or you can't. It is not what a I'm question of I one feel. Of the conclusions, Science one of isn't the things... I feel. People's lives isn't I yeah, feel. Yeah, you know what? I didn't feel. I looked at a plot and I saw a gap. Do you see it? It's right there. 
you you looked at a plot and you saw a gap, but those, those lines cross each other all over the place. None of them are clear signal lines. None of them are clear indicators. There are a whole uh, host of different factors impacting look, all those lines. Look, if you start if you start at week sixty, what happens between yellow and red? What's and? the trend between yellow and red? Let's see. At week sixty, well, After everything yes. kind of declines at week sixty. Uh-huh. Which would have been midsummer, so that's kind of expected. Uh, it looks like yellow crosses below red. That's true. And, then, and no, and look again. We're not coming up with a conclusion here. We're just looking at the data. But that doesn't. No again, it doesn't. No, no, no. Doesn't you're getting fixed you on that. Oh no, no conclusions. None. None. Okay. All right. None. No conclusions. Just what we're, we're just looking at yellow and red. Okay. No conclusions, all right. right? I, I see. Okay, no conclusions. You see, you see red above yellow. I agree. You see, you see, you see red above yellow for a lot of it, right? Uh, partially. I'm not saying all of it. I just parts of it. Partially, partially. Okay. But I mean, you can go all the way back. You can go back to uh, so reds above yellow uh, prior to what's that? What are your increments here? Five. So it's weeks in the bottom. It starts. So it's five five units apiece. Is that is that what we're looking at here? So every fifty-two is a year. I, I know. Duh. I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, just <laughs> I'm asking. I'm looking. I'm looking at looking your micro ticks. I'm looking at your micro ticks and trying to figure out what we are for week here. Okay. So, so it starts off. It starts like off 10. with a zero to forty-four age group tall. Then it spikes up in the overall in the sixty-five plus category, which is kind of expected. Then it all plummets right. down after about 24 weeks, which is uh, that crosses right back below the the zero right. to 44 line. So here we are, no vaccines, remember, 50, no nothing else. No, no, no. Where you want to talk about looking at the chart? We see the lines saying, cross. 52, 52 is is still before vaccines are being disseminated widely. Yeah, but we're talking. I'm talking at like 25 here, yeah. bro. At 25, yeah, yeah, no, no, the yellow 25. and everything else crosses back below the red. Right? right, and then it stays below that red the whole entire time, and then it shoots up above it just at the very end of 2020, 2021. And it stays up there oh, for a very brief bit, the winter, and then it crashes right? right back below. But it was below that for most of the previous year. That's not like uh, again, again, that's not an I, interesting I, not, thing because you generated here. one peak. That's, again, we're not drawing. We're not trying to draw conclusions here. We're just saying, okay, this is what's happening. Not, bed, not sure. drawing conclusions. I'm saying that it, it like it's yeah. there's nothing here to see. Right, we can't infer anything from the data that you have here. It's not interesting because it zigzags of your your your. Well, I think that it's very interesting to look at the peaks here because I don't if you think look so. At, if, I you, think you that don't... it is interesting because Why? for the for well for these first couple here, when there's absolutely no chance of vaccine, again, not sure. saying all right, sure. And, and and for those lines those lines so, cross say, each other the we'll, entire time. We'll block time. it out by year. We'll block it by year. In sure. 2020, you can see that there are. Basically, three clear peaks, but there's two large ones, right? There's two large waves. And we have, uh, we have a sure. we have this. We have there are there are two peaks, of, and the majority of the time, the zero to forty-four is over the the older over sixty-five group, which is kind of surprising to see. Sure. But whatever. So yeah, I'll give well, you. I'll so give here, I, I, should ex- I should explain this. I should explain. And then the afterwards, we still here. have we have two clear peaks. I sh- the no, following. Okay. I should I should explain the data clearly here, so you can you can have a. a what the general sense is. So the the error bars come from the five year average prior, so uh, 2015 through 2019. Uh, so basically pre pandemic, that five year block. That's the average. That's the basis for comparison. And then you have the excess mortality, and this is the relative amount. So it's it's divided by 
you know, so it's scaled by the amount of uh, average. So, so if, but for if each we're age not category, drawing any conclusions each, from this data, age, which I'm, I'm in favor of, just, what's the point of the data? Show, real quick, just so for each age category, it is normed and then scaled by the respective age category. So it's okay. apples to apples for all of them, just to make sure it's completely separated. So, so you're basically you're saying that each of them has been, you know, appropriately weighted. Yeah, Got so each, they're each appropriately normed and separated out. So it's, it's apples because to apples. Because old people tend to be fewer than the young people. And they also tend to die more often, right? So that yeah, just, yeah. So, so just to make sure, so that, that's, that's why they're separated out the way they are. It probably partly explains why, for example. Again, this is one of those partly explains, could be, maybe kind of things. Not a reason for anything. Also, you should. But it could. It could part. I'm just throwing that out there. Well, here, let me show you. Is one of the plots that I actually prepared. I understand what you're plotting, but it would be very useful to have that. Here's here's a better. I don't think I've ever come across a report that says access title in both the X and the Y. I prepared a couple plots, and I was like, "Ah, fuck it! I'll throw the Excel ones on the on the on the Twitter too." So, so there's one that I actually gave a shit about preparing. Just. So you can feel like someone actually gave a fuck for, oh, about one of the plots. Oh, you uh, gave a fuck? Oh, that's really nice. I like it when you give fuck. Very briefly. So, <laughs> so fucks are 44 good to give. Line, I give as many part, fucks. It, as it can partly be explained by the fact that they probably they ha- people have to work and eat, you know. So they probably went did fewer of the mitigation measures. Just for example. If you decided to wait until like week ten, yeah, I mean, just, I. I you can see, like, there's there's a bunch of other reasons you can throw in here. But again, so when I when oh I my, my point the point here is that after week 52, roughly there, then vaccines become one of the plausible reasons. And again, without being able to say anything here, one of so the it's reasons herd immunity. So is natural immunity. The, At that yes, point, yes, natural immunity is a perfectly viable reason. You know what one else it could reasons. be? Mutation. You know what else it could be? Better, right. better actual health response. All right. So you know if you what else it could be? This, we could actually me, have opened up the hospitals. You know what else it could be? People went before. outside. You heard like, me talk about this before. I mentioned all this shit. Damn it. My point was that after so you that can't point, draw any inference. My point that's, was that's, that after that point, you had this change in the behavior in that next peak, and that it was an interesting change, change in the behavior for the next a, peak. It was an interesting change because there was an observable gap, and it was correlated with. But there was an age. observable gap in the previous ones. No, there wasn't. Yes, there was. If you go okay, back to your first, original chart. In the first, in the first one between, yes, the first one, yellow is above the other two by a gap, and the second peak, they are all within error of each other. But the actual difference the between peak, the yellow it's peaks. Inverted the, the actual difference between the, the yellow t- peaks is within the the range of statistical uncertainty associated with them. So these are the nine, actual height of that is not. Yes, yeah, so zero should, to forty four peaks. At, these are ninety nine percent error bars. Just to make it clear, so these are wide error that's, bars. That's I mean, that's not really wide. The difference between ninety five percent and ninety nine percent is not technically was actually, that was actually, much. It was it was a bit of a difference. Eh, okay, whatever. I mean, I I, just, I give you credit for actually posting the error bars. But the you you have so you have let's see let's let's go with what like, you're trying was, to do which was, is an event based analysis. To, so you're trying again, to do an event based analysis. Peak, so you have one, peak. two, three, four events, right? You have four events total. The first two events okay. are X, right? Now sure. the second event you have some vaccines in that mix. You should have some All vaccines right. in that mix at that point. 
because that's sure. right around the the you know 52 weeks is just after just as it started to rise. That was that so was that just when been, we started to give vaccine. So after so the beginning of that would have uh, been that would have been the initial. So we should have had out. some sort of effect there, and then everything crashes thereafter. Everything crashes altogether. There's no difference in the crash rates. <laughs> Everybody goes down at that point in time, right? Then you go into your third peak and you say, ah, there's a difference here. But then you go to your fourth peak and your fourth peak is back up to basically where right. it was before. No, it's, again, so, it's, so it's not five peaks here. one anomalous peaks. peak. This is this goes back, no, goes again, back to that said, P versus look, day thing, man. One anomalous peak point, does not a data point make. My, my whole fucking point here was that there of the, of the different conclusions someone could draw, erroneously or not... <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that not a, a thing that you'd be pointing out here? Is the fact that it's erroneous? Oh yeah. I mean, you're you're free to point out that that was an erroneous conclusion. I'm all I'm all for you. That was the whole. Like, I'm, I'm right in that agreement with you. Of, that was that was top tier erroneous conclusion. If you listen to me when I went on the rant without you last time, my whole entire fucking point here is that from this data, you this is so top level, but has so we know we know that these deaths existed, right? Oh we know man. The deaths, the deaths either happen or don't happen. So that is basically I gotta, good. I gotta teach you how to go through nuclear data, man. You would, that's you would, good. you would have a very fun time learning, learning how we we judge things. In the real well, no, no, here, no. <laughs> is, is this not something that is is kind of basic and simple? A death happened or it didn't happen. I, it's it's doesn't matter whether it's it's basic. Any or cause. There's too many any variables cause. to. It doesn't matter. There's too many variables to draw any conclusion. This is one of the issues that I have it's with the, the folks. No, it's not. The, but the you point just said is, it was the point. I have the same issue. I have Why the same is it so hard with, to agree with me on this? Craig, I have the same issue with the anti-vax people as I do with you. Right? They're drawing conclusions without any data to back them up. Okay, right? so At all. again... Right? There's there's a bunch of... Steve, there is a spurious Steve, correlation right now. I know for a fact you're capable of entertaining other people's viewpoints without accepting them and internalizing them as true. Absolutely. I haven't internalized your viewpoints at all. Then why is it so hard for you to do that right now? Because that's the whole fucking point of what I was doing. I was saying, the, the look, thing is of, that, the way, okay. of, of the ways the data is shaped, you could, could erroneously draw that there is some sort of correlation so, with vaccines so that I, is certain... To be above and beyond the quality of other observations. So, so what I so did was I, I stepped will, back and said, "This is the I best will quality data I with have." You. And then I, I will know concur for a fact with that you. I can't draw that conclusion from this. I will concur that was with the you. The whole point that of this. you can draw erroneous conclusions from a chart of this type. I am fully in agreement with that. The point was that this is the this is the kind of the best quality data that you're going to get in the public right now. That you can I mean, look at all cause deaths and say, "Did a death happen or not? Yes or no." That is very clear and simple to answer. You don't, so, you're not saying, so, okay, is it a COVID death? Is it a gunshot? And, we don't and, know. And let's, let's pause for a moment. Or not. Let's po pause for a moment and take a look at this chart. And you want to sit there and take a look. And, and t this is why this is why we don't draw conclusions from erroneous data. So if I was to look at this chart, being completely objective, as that is my, my parameter, uh, I would see three peaks all of approximately the same height and i would draw the conclusion that there was no difference between the vaccine and not between having a vaccine and not because the death rate with the alpha strain which is supposed to be the most mm -hmm. vicious of the two is no different than the death rate with the oh, vaccinated right. delta and omicron variants which are significantly less hazardous so ultimately it looks like the vaccine did nothing now if i was to really decide to gesticulate again, i can make I an argument that, that if these either. strains are less ramp or a less vi virulent 
and less problematic for the host, which is you know kind of what we've heard all along, uh, then the fact that the death the the deaths per capita rates don't change every single year is indicative that not only did the vaccine not work, but it likely introduced some sort of harm. But I wouldn't draw that conclusion because I don't draw so, things on limited data. Again, there are there are as I was trying to my my main point here was that from the same set of data you will get a slew of different conclusions that will basically be subsets of the full set of factors that can go into causes for the way the data comes out. And of those, you have vaccines having harmful or beneficial impacts, which directly counter each other. So they compete and they counteract each other. And then you can have the vaccine, the virus itself weakening over time. And you have, again, there's, there's, you have things there's like too many variables to draw a conclusion. This is the same is the problem point. that we face. This so is the same the, problem that we face with climate science. And this is also the same problem that you face with the trans right, literature. So, so this is the like same this, problem that you the face way, the with way I was describing most it of was, this shit. So you're, you're familiar with inductive and deductive reasoning. And we're both, we're both oh, pretty yes. well. And we both pretty well straddle the line here. So no, the no, way no, I was no. just no, 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 no. Okay. I do like not this. believe in inductive reasoning. Inductive reasoning is the fastest way to draw false conclusions and limit yourself. Your okay, scope. let me rephrase that. Inductive, inductive and deductive deductive. learning. How about that one? Uh, I don't think I go that which far. Is, which is different from re which is different from the reasoning route. Which I didn't. I misspoke. So I meant I meant more of the learning type where you have the ability to just. For instance, I could say that you can't draw any conclusions from this, and we're both going to agree on that, and then we just be done. Or I could say, here are the different ways you might erroneously draw conclusions from this, and you're going to hear them popularized as arguments on, say, Twitter. You're going to have the anti-vaxxers and the pro-vaxxers that are going to draw the same from, from the same data opposite and, conclusions. And, and I, I, do endorse, I do endorse that people are doing that, and that's a serious problem right now. And the right. reason that's, that they're doing it is because they home, didn't do their fucking on. job and get good data the first time around. They didn't do controlled studies. They didn't actually sit there and do any of the work but that again, you would normally have to do with a drug to prove that, yes, it is in fact safe and effective. Instead, they did messaging. And messaging leaves you into this really, really bad position wherein a whole bunch of people who look at it even yeah. slightly critically basically tell you to go fuck And now yourself. we're basically coming back to where you came into the discussion. Just bring you up to speed on where we were going with this. Oh, and as a by the by, did you get to catch what uh, Scott Adams said earlier? Uh, a couple days ago? Uh, I have not. So, so like, you know, I, because I work at there a was a critical facility, difference. I do not spend any time on social media during the day. Oh, I feel very fine. privileged that well, my, my connection allows me to sit there and thing. monitor my, my crypto algorithms. Oh, that's fair. It was, I would just it was say his, that, uh, his podcast or whatever. My, my understanding that is, is that he said something along the lines of the, the anti-vax folks have been correct. Or something like that. They have he, he came close to that. He had, a, he had a, a very subtle difference between what he said and that. I'm, I'm the sure. He, difference was, the subtle difference was he didn't admit the fault there. He said basically their messaging was better and they were right. Uh, to, their, their messaging was um, effective. So, well, that's, that's... Well, no, yeah, he does I, say I, that I, they it was, were it was very It was very much him trying to not say that they any So, so right. it's him I, doing I his classic that, Scott right. Adams thing, talking about, uh, what is it? Oh, what's his, what's his thing that he's, like, got a super hard on for? It's, uh, it's like communication <laughs> strategies or something like that. I can't remember what it's oh, called. Oh, yeah, that's one of them. 
Persuasion. Uh, persuasion. Yes. That's how do you persuade the populace? Blah blah blah. Trump right. is a god until he's bad at persuading people. Well, it's that's oh, so he's, he's such a sucker of Trump cock. I I don't know. I, I you know I I think that he's got. I I will say oh. so. Scott Adams. I'm pretty sure he has me on mute. Uh, and that is because yeah, I'm pretty pot. Like I am. Involved, huh? Well, so so do you guys remember back when he decided he was going to do the deep dive into climate change? Oh, do you guys, you guys ever watch those periscopes that he did? No, no. I want so back in so so imagine how horrifying that would be. So so to dive into this, right? I gotta I gotta I gotta put you guys in. Oh, but once you go through this, I'll play the clip for you at least the beginning. So well, I'm I'm uh, just to give you the hint here. I I was gonna be finished by eleven, so I'm gonna start you know making bed and go ahead and serenade me to sleep here. I will I will serenade you with sweet loving baritone. Except I don't have acid baritones. Yeah, yeah, acid baritones. So, so back in, uh, back, so, so I, uh, I had, I worked for a company. I actually did the same thing for the same lab uh, as a subcontractor back from 2014 to 2018. Had a very large falling out with my company. Basically, uh, it was kind of a shitty place to work for. Um, you know, I, I didn't. They they ended up getting kicked off site because they were kind of unethical in how they approached working oh. for the government. I'm a firm believer in like being effective, and they were a firm believer in milking the contract for all it was worth. So <laughs> those two ideas don't. Uh, I, I so probably said I did probably raise a few issues. So the end result was uh, they gave me five thousand dollars to quit, uh, and and I took the money uh, and hmm. I quit. So sure. in the in between. I uh, picked up a job as a technician working on cash handling machines, uh, kind of the robots that have replaced checkout clerks, uh, some of the stuff and right. in, in technology and innovation in safes, and like what, what Walmart runs is just absolutely really cool, and I got to do that for a year, or for about nine months before I went back to the lab. But in during that period of time, uh, because I had a company car, they paid for gas, I got overtime, uh, and it was actually a pretty fun sweet job. I would cover anybody's district uh, that was uh, wanted me to cover it, which meant that I got to basically turn around, throw on a Scott Adams podcast, and listen to it uh, all all the way. So so I got to listen to his full periscopes. I got to, like you know I can't call in because I'm at work, but I'm just kind of listening to it and driving around. It was it was a great time, right? It was a really I went from the world's shittiest work environment to. Uh, one of the greatest companies I've ever worked for. Uh, it is. It was not as intellectually demanding as, you know, regulatory compliance is. Uh, sounds and, like it boils down to "Welcome to Walmart, I love you." Ah, uh, <laughs> no, no. It was. Uh, it was. It was like Tidal safes and uh, various other yeah. places. But like, I got to go to. Like, I, I have to go to some really sketchy neighborhoods <laughs> where like, oh, where, like they broken. Uh, and then uh yeah so i would repair them when there was broken i crack safes that was kind of fun uh mm-hmm. every once in a while we'd have to do that actually that really sucks that sucks a lot more than you think <laughs> right like the movies the movies they show some dude with a stethoscope and like turning a yeah, knob it's and not a dial. Like that at all it's not like that at all it's like you call the company they will look at the specific model they sent you and because and each model is technically different, they'll give you a, a couple of measurements for a drill location, and then you yeah. have to drill through gunmetal. <laughs> <laughs> bitch. 
which is a fucking bitch. And you got, yeah. and God, it's got to be like a, a quarter inch thick steel. And so right. it takes a few hours to crack this is, this the safe. Is, so this is like C65, oh no, C62, whatever it is, uh, hardened steel. Yep. And it's like, yeah, like you said, a half inch thick of that shit. And you got to drill through that and then probably another plate of mild steel behind it. I, I, uh, my, my boss gave me, uh, when I, the, I've only had to do it tw- once or twice. I can't remember which once or twice. So my boss, uh, you know, he'd been working all night and that was the other thing too. You take the overnights and, and the boss would take the, rearrange the calls, let you sleep in really good company to work for. Um, just, just really just fantastic. It was, it was a good, good time. My time was essentially my own, but yeah, that's, that really sucked. But I got to listen to Scott Adams. And he was doing the climate change thing. And yeah. so listening to the, the periscopes at the time was a whole bunch of idiots doing and saying idiot things on both sides of the debate, right? As is expected with well, anything see, climate science. Climate's not changing because obviously it was the same temperature yesterday as it is today. Therefore, yeah. all climate science disproven. Yeah, so it's <laughs> you, you, you get all, a whole bunch of crazy stuff there. So I got yeah. muted by Scott Adams because I listened to his arguments on persuasion, right? Mm-hmm. He decided he was going to dig into the debate and try to figure out not necessarily what it <laughs> – certainly he wanted him? to figure out the most persuasive arguments, but he also kind of wanted to figure out – like he basically came in and said it sounds like both sides are stating bullshit, and he's got to figure out who's the more bullshittiest of the two, mm. right? Well, they both state bullshit, which is the problem. Right. So that it was, like that was his problem. problem. His, his goal – his stated goal was to figure out who was bullshitting the hardest. Yeah. Right? Not a not an easy task for a, sure. a guy who's an economist. That that is his formal training. Uh, so he turned around Bit at the ask, time, yeah. and uh, you know he was turning around, and he said, uh, at one point, you know, it's persuasion. That's what we're looking for. What are the most persuasive arguments? And so everybody's sitting there and shouting the in, the, in the, the chat, in his, his DMs, the whole bit. Uh, they'd be shouting about it. It's a hoax. It's a fraud. And he came out and he said, uh-huh. it's not a hoax, and it's not a fraud, and yada, yada, yada. Right? And that's what he announced. Uh-huh. I said, okay, I'm going to sit there and rearrange the way people talk about it. And so this was back, you know, before all of my Twitter was <laughs> I locked I down. I see where this is going to go. So I changed – I got into all of the climate forums that were, like, in his in his sphere. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I started saying, no, they didn't commit fraud. They didn't commit a hoax. They fudged the data. And that was the specific <laughs> term that I used. I used fudge the data. I was the only one doing uh-huh. it. After about two days of actively working on this to get everybody to say fudge the data, everybody was saying uh-huh. fudge the data because Twitter is actually <laughs> pretty easy if you're – and then all of a sudden, the next Periscope – like all of – I didn't get any more responses from him. I didn't get any more responses from anybody else. I would talk to somebody, and he wouldn't respond to my, my discussion – or he'd respond to the discussion, but he wouldn't actually acknowledge any of my posts. Hmm. So that was why I was thinking I got muted. The very next day, he came on on a fucking tear on his goddamn Periscope, screaming and yelling and saying, don't say fudged, it's not fudged. <laughs> he was super pissed off. And, and so I was like, all right. So I know nobody was saying it was fudged before I started my Twitter campaign. And everybody's saying it now. So I think he figured out I was the source. <laughs> and he muted me for it. Okay, that's pretty funny. And I don't, I don't think he's ever turned that off. 
Probably not. Oh man, that was that was good fun. I I I have I get nuked by occasional. So that the 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 accounts that I tend to get nuked by are the thoughts, because eventually yeah. I'll get so bored of them sitting there and posting their, oh, it's so difficult to find a date shit, which they all do. They all oh, do. They're uh... like, I'm so hot. Why doesn't anyone want to date me? <laughs> oh, you know who you can ask about this one? You can ask about this one. Uh, you know the, the uh, me, or, uh, me or a PS5 thing? Yeah. Like, uh, oh, yeah. That's I... about to have a PSTV flashback. Oh, God. I, I posted a few thing. of those memes. <laughs> Every once in a while, I would just turn around, and I would, like, go full psycho and psychoanalysis on these people. And I would just, oh. like, and, and, like, these big accounts, I would say something that they read... And they would get so angry that I called them out on their shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> I do it, you know, I didn't do it in, like, DMs or anything like that. It was, it was you know, just Twitter space. And all of a sudden, after, like, a day, they just block me. <laughs> because because you can't say that about me. I'm like, well, you're just doing the thought thing. Like, the thought thing isn't, uh, isn't, well, I'm here. isn't cute I'll or I'll also original. drop the other pictures so that Steve can have the whole set. Ah, Great. So here's the other here's the other picture in which I actually gave a shit, uh, and then I'm gonna drop. So the, the other three pictures are just the first picture broken down into three different pieces, just uh, out of convenience. So so it doesn't surprise me. Scott Scott Adams has always done this persuasion thing, yeah, and that's always what he's what he, he never. And then it, the thing that also pisses me off. Well, I, I that doesn't pay, piss me off. It's actually a very good that's lesson. That's amusing. For Right, it's a very good lesson for people. But what pisses me off is he does that same thing where he comes really, really close to saying something, and then he yeah. turns around and says, "All these people, imagine what I said." <laughs> like, right. bro, bro, you're not clever. That's not that's not interesting. You you haven't you sitting there and coming out and publicly not saying anything and then pretending that people like, hey, misinterpreted I, what you said. Yeah, what, what is that? The the intellectual equivalent of I'm not touching you. Yeah. It's, well, here, here's That's the thing: exactly if, he's, if he's not saying anything, then what are people listening to? <laughs> well, that, might, that might break his head. I, I, I don't. So, so again, he does do some very good lessons for people, right? I think that he never really could get into the, uh, what is it, the, the, the teaching abandoned boys space like Jordan Peterson or Cernovich, <laughs> the Tate brothers, or whatever the fuck it oh is. Oh my God, the so, blue pill salesman. <laughs> Yeah, so so the uh, he is in his own little space of like, here's how to be effective in society. You know, I there's a lot of ways to be effective in society, but the number one thing, take risks. That's really what it is. Take risks, yeah. hedge your bets, make sure you don't sit there and suffer a catastrophic loss, and you'll be good. Prepare to look like an idiot. Prepare to look like an idiot happens. on a regular basis. You will fail yeah. infinitely more times than you succeed. If you want something like this fact, I was a nuclear like nerd in high school. Nobody was a nuclear nerd when I was a nuclear nerd. Like <laughs> that we're talking about it now, which is good. But like back then, right. trying to find any information. No, everybody on wanted to get rid of plants, it. Yeah, everybody wanted to get rid of it back then. And I thought it was the most amazing thing in the world. I somehow ended up getting my dream job with a chemical engineering degree. Right, and a psych psych background. I somehow, well, not my dream dream job, obviously, because that would be right. like design work. But you know, right. getting to work for an, <laughs> I, I turn around, I set up. I want to, you know, my ten year plan was, I'm going to get to work for a national lab, <laughs> and I'm going to get to work in nuclear energy, and I managed to get it done in three years. Well, how did that happen? 
massive quantities of applications. It wasn't. Right. It wasn't one. It wasn't hoping it would work. It was thousands. I'd send out four or five a day, and I did it for two years. Right. Every Ooh, once bravo. in a while, I'd get drunk and send out thirty. <laughs> like, it was. Especially if my wife was complaining. Right. That was. That was just the way it was. Hold on, honey. I'm gonna solve the problem in three hours. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a yeah. moment. I mean, to to be fair, right? So I graduated directly into the recession. So like yeah. there is there is no and that was with my psych degree. So there is literally no financially worse place that you could be in. And as much as a lot of people like, you know, well, you could have had an arts the, degree. What's that? <laughs> Said you could have had an arts degree. Uh, it's true. But uh, yeah, that was. But I hated psych, so right. I uh, I graduated with spite. Well, you, you kind of have to. You're like almost obligated to get a master's or a PhD in psych. You don't really do a whole lot with a bachelor's. Yeah, yeah, and and it's kind of I mean, crazy because they don't do all know. That much They're like completely a, unaware of it. They have doctorates, but that so so it was. You know, 2008 recession hit. It was a really rough time. That's about as bad a time as it can get. Went back to school. Came back out in um, 2011. Uh, my GPA was so low that uh, I couldn't graduate, even though I completed all the credits. I was one course away. Oh, I just had to bring sense. it up by a certain amount, so I graduated my 2.03 GPA. I was taking care of my mm -hmm. dad with cancer, so I have reasons. <laughs> Legitimate well, yeah, reasons. Oh, well, fair enough. Then. And working full-time. I have no idea how I even got the grades that I did. That's actually uh, kind but, of impressive, then. Yeah, it was... Yeah. Yeah, it led to meltdowns. <laughs> or a meltdown. I can, I can well, absolutely the, the, uh, the the stories of uh, what was it the, uh, the 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 final whatever it was the MATLAB thing where you're cranking that shit out like twenty four seven yeah things yeah yeah there the world gets really weird at like fifty six hours without sleep yeah that was the farthest I made it I can do twenty four I don't typically go much uh, more than twenty four my longest my longest was eleven days and eleven that's a days that's a that's a technicality. Because at that point, you are micro-sleeping, and not like micro-micro-sleeping. I'd say you're mini-sleeping. It's like three or four seconds at a time. Ah. It, yeah, it's bad. And oh, yeah, uh, thankfully, this was when I was in like, high school. For a little bit too long, and then open them up again and don't feel right. Like, you, you think time traveling when you're drinking is bad? It's like that times ten. Um, I... And I was, I was thankfully not driving. I was in high school, but I was still not old enough to drive yet, so that was... <laughs> when, probably save my when ass. I got to 56 hours, and I, I, I know what you're talking about, right? Because I got to 56 yeah. hours, and that was actually just hardcore awake. And then my wife demanded I go to sleep. So I went yeah. downstairs, <laughs> I laid down in bed, and I shut my eyes. And that was it. Like, I didn't go out. There was no sleep. Sleep didn't come for me. Right. It was just sitting there, and like I could physically feel myself twitching because I'd been up for so long. Like you just get random neural impulses at that point. There is, yeah, it is not healthy. It's like having RLS. Sleep. Yeah, it's, it's it like was, having a restless leg syndrome. It's it it, was, uh, it'll make you go nuts. Your yeah. body's doing hypnotic jerks because yeah, your body's so used to get trying to my, stay awake. Uh, eyelids actually. Yeah, that it's, is. It's bizarre. So, so your was... body tries to stay awake, and so it sends out hypnotic jerks, which is when it makes your leg your leg kind of swing. Yeah. Except at that point, you can get your like entire lower abdominals involved. It's kind of nuts. Yeah, it was. Big Silk Kicker going, my uh, 
Quantic Tonic, but you're not actually having a seizure. I, I don't know what it looked like, because my, my wife was actively keeping, like, all the animals away from me and <laughs> and everything else, like, to try to get me to sleep. Uh-huh. Uh, and all I just remember was being awake for another eight hours, just twitching. And I, I think it was three yes. hours, and then I got up and continued. My wife's like, that's not long enough. I'm like, I don't care. That's, I do. That sounds horrible. It, oh, was, it was pretty bad. <laughs> It was pretty bad. This is, this is uh, so caffeine. Caffeine will will be part of this usually, and when it blocks the adenosine, eventually you get the rush back in, which is nice. But when it's still blocking it, and you're so dead tired, and you're just like, "All right, I'm gonna try to sleep," and it doesn't fucking work. Yep. It's horrible. Yeah, it was. That was that was rough. <laughs> that was definitely rough. And there's but... a point at which you can get um, sleep paralysis during that, which I've had a couple times, which was weird. Now it's around like two or three days up. Oh wow! That uh, well, so north. sleep paralysis I get on a regular basis because I'm a lucid dreamer. Right. Like I, I started. I didn't train myself or anything like that. Like I had nightmares as a kid, and it was Puff yeah. the Magic Dragon, and he was like <laughs> gonna eat my friend, who was also a girl, and uh, and so like I, I, I would you know it's a it's a kid's dream, right? So you're dreaming yourself right. up as night. So you go donkey doty. You go and you're going up to the dragon and just get roasted and I'd wake up just as my flesh was burning. Right? <laughs> Every time. And so oh, man. so that happened that happened for days. And I was exhausted yeah. at like six or seven or whatever it was. Yeah, I it used was. to get night terrors too, and that was that sucked. Sure. And I decided and I, just I was had gonna take control. Insomnia. I was just you know, the second I saw the sword yeah. That was that was what it was going to be. I was going to remind myself that if I see a sword, it's a dream. And I like this was just me as a six or seven year old. This is the most rational thing you can think of. And then I turned myself into a ninja and beat Pete's <laughs> dragon. Of got course. a wonderful night's sleep. But because I kept on doing it and being cognitive, I ended up just lucid dreaming for such That's a pretty... long period of time. It you don't it never shuts off. That's kind of awesome. So, uh, it sounds that way, but as you well, get yeah, older, well, you don't care anymore, and you just kind of want to go to sleep, and you can never tell when you're asleep or you're awake. That's fun. Yeah, and then uh, on top of that, because your your uh, prefrontal cortex is, like, perpetually active, yeah. you get sleep paralysis all the time. The first couple times it happened to me, I was terrified. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that just, is like, a I'm never going to be able to move again. What the hell? Yeah, or, or you're sitting there, and... Um, you know, I kind of know what it is now, and so it, the worst part is that like I ha- I can regain control of some things, so I'll start crying out to like mm. just slap me awake, and it's just this pitiful cry, and you can hear it while you're asleep. It's <laughs> I, it's awful. I actually uh, so... know that uh, that specific issue. Yeah, that is that is no fun, and that is so... I I understand why people believe that aliens are coming to abduct them. Oh yeah. I understand yeah. why people believe there's possession. Right? I totally get if you are in a sleep paralysis or like I've also had uh if you are are if your mind is active enough and you open your eyes at the right time, your dream will continue. Right. Like you haven't decreased your your thing, you're just sitting there and like things going yeah. around around you. That's so high delta and that and sounds pretty wild. Going crazy. Yeah, that's um, well, it was. It was. My mother it wanted is, me getting a blowjob. Is. So at that, that time, that was pretty weird. <laughs> that was that was the dream. Huh. 
<laughs> and so I'm sitting there, I'm like, what is going on? Why is she telling me I can get ready for school? Why am I not getting yelled at right now? <laughs> yep. Huh. All right, that well, was it. So I, so I, I have... Uh, I'm, on that note. I'm settled in and ready to go, so I am uh, going to say goodbye to you gentlemen. Uh, good um, night, sir. Fantastic time as always. I'll see you guys next week. Yeah, that's uh, that's Craig at CraigBob99. You have to type the whole thing in if you're doing it on Twitter. It will not autocomplete. If you go to my link tree, then you can just click it there. Thankfully, oh that God, just goes right to it. <laughs> well, yes. Make sure you click on the Pornhub and the OnlyFans links. Because I have a fantastic sense and of and for those who are longtime fans of the uh, of the show, uh, if you click on on Craig's Pornhub link, you can see him testing out clit sucking action. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Throwback. <laughs> Alibaba so loves you, doesn't? Oh, God, Alibaba. It's been a All long right, time since I hopped on there. Like I got I got a lot of sh- I got to figure out actually how to start building things like ordering, seeing if I can get con. I need a I got something I want to build. I gotta figure out how to do that. And Alibaba's probably the best route. Well, I mean, you've got a really decent printer, so you can do any kind of enclosure you need to. Yeah. Any kind of mounting solution, so it's a matter of just finding all the right components, right? Well, it, 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 uh, the 3D printer is good for prototyping, but it's not good for, like, the other stuff. Anything more robust than that. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, you could do cases, but that's about it. Yeah, I, I would be doing... Um, so I've got, let's see, I've got a, I've got a half dozen different things that I'm supposed to be working on to start a business, mm. and I've got too many other things to do, and I'm overwhelmed. I gotta, I gotta get my house clean at some point, maybe. Oh, completely relate to that. Uh, and then finish up the bathroom, and then once that, actually, that once that's done, the house will clean pretty quickly. Oh, but just to uh, give you the bit of Schadenfreude here, let me uh, go ahead and pull up Scott Adams, and you can go ahead and just. Uh, Give him a listen. It's it does the heart okay. good to hear. Having uh, having said as clearly as possible that the anti-vax people seem to be the winners. I want you to hear that clearly. The anti-vax people appear to be the winners. The anti-vaxers clearly are the winners at this point, and I think it'll probably stay that way. And, and I don't want to put any shade on that whatsoever. They came out the best. They, they have the winning position. The unvaccinated have a current advantage. Because they, they feel better. The, the thing they're not worrying about is what I have to worry about. Which is, I wonder if that vaccination five years from now. Because really the anti-vaxxers, I think, were really just distrustful of big companies and big government. That's never wrong. And well, you know, he goes into a goes into that a bit more, but I mean, it's it's pretty clear. And you know, he's he is kind of doing his. I'm I do not want to say I'm wrong, so I'm going to do it another way thing. But you know, I mean, that's that's always his shtick, though. Like, but I, I, mean, I get good it. on him at least for owning it. How many well, other I think people have been I, I, absolute assholes about this? I think you know. I think that the key the key point there is that uh, folks like myself who never took anything, who fought against taking things, who actively you know somehow won and beat the system miraculously, um, you know he's correct. I don't have to worry about anything, and I don't. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I you can might, guarantee. You, well, you have the same worry from COVID that anyone that's vaccinated does. I, I don't. Maybe less potentially, I, depending on some studies we look at. So the the issue that you have is that that when it comes to the actual vaccines, you don't know what they did or didn't do. Mm-hmm. There does seem to be a lot of evidence that the uh, the spike protein has some sort of not so great effect. Um, I I I'm hoping whether it, it, it be does the seem... quote unquote naturally occurring one from Wuhan or you know or the or the actual the, thing the fully but the difference one, right. But the difference between the synthetic one and the one from Wuhan is the one from Wuhan is also attached to a full viral envelope. It is right? that. And, and on top of that, the mRNA one put way more spike protein into your system than what you would get from a natural infection. So it, that was like – that was actually their big selling point initially was that the titers for the vaccinated were significantly higher with overall protein and uh, – What's that? The, the immune response than those who had a natural infection. That was what their argument was for why natural immunity wasn't a thing. That was their their principal argument was that you got like two thousand times the the amount of protein in your system. Um. So so like it, it appears that there's all kinds of funky things that happen with female reproductive systems. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, with, yeah. I mean, even protein. we've got the things that are fully admitted now. Like there are minstrel issues that whenever this does finally go commercial if it ever does that'll actually have to be on you know the bottle yeah and and so like all of that stuff all of that stuff is is things that i don't have to worry about and and i mean obviously i'd never have to worry about the the uh, menstrual issues it's not although i'm told there are people that say that men can menstruate they are um Mistaken. Oh yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm looking there's... forward to my first period. Well, uh, good luck, I guess. Yep, yep. It's gonna happen some one of these days. I'm sure of it. What? I am sure of it. Yeah, like magic, like magic. But uh, like, I mean, I understand the comment they're making, but yeah. So, so I think like you you look at something like what Scott Adams was saying, and what he is saying is. The folks who are in opposition to the vaccine, you know, he's right. We have nothing to worry about from the vaccine itself. But more importantly, uh, what you're what you're dealing with is the same thing that we, you know, Craig and I were arguing about earlier. You can't sit there and disprove the uh, anti-vax claims because we don't have data, right? And the well, fact that they can't the that disprove those make... claims is a real problem for the folks who were pushing the vaccine. Oh, sure. And the point that I was wanting to make while you guys were having your conversation on that is it seems like there was almost a concerted effort to destroy any control groups. Or I I shouldn't say destroy. I should say pollute or dilute any control groups. I did, you know, I I did hear that argument when they were pushing for the... uh, for the mass vaccination and everybody's going to lose their job if you don't if you don't take it that that was that was an argument in favor of those control groups sure are, are getting rid of the control groups i i mm-hmm. did hear that argument that's an interesting one i haven't uh haven't dug into that so far yeah i mean that's all fallen um, apart since thank fuck but you know well i mean yeah they still have the the the, the number of people who resist it is very small and exactly as bat says emergency use yes 
Yes. And, but uh, not only that, the lack of follow through on all of this other shit that was supposed to be emergency use, the whole project warp speed where yep. it all got pigeonholed into this one thing. If they'd have distributed Regeneron, like they put this shit out, I mean, we'd have probably had the whole fucking thing licked, right? I mean, uh, I mean, because it worked. We don't, I, we don't know. I mean, we don't know what would have worked or what didn't wouldn't have worked. Yeah, true. Like that's the the issue is the biggest issue is uh, a they came out with a huge sales campaign, and what and people a lot end of up rich folks in pharma these days because of it. Right, they came out with a huge sales campaign, uh, and though that sales campaign ended up being wrong right and that i'm not talking about negative effects or anything else but the one the one measure that so so you can't really prove safe right that's that's the hard i remember i remember we talked about that uh, very early on where i was saying how can you say it's safe and effective would we'll define safe right what does that mean what's the risk levels and the answer is they don't know because there's no information on it but while you can't necessarily define safe very easily you can absolutely define effective, right? That's something sure. that is a hundred percent definite. And the one thing that is not demonstrable through all of this is the efficacy, right? Absolutely. Uh, taking Craig's argument apart there, as I did, that that's one of the key components. There is we can't prove any sort of efficacy whatsoever we cannot distinguish it we cannot distinguish a success signal from the noise so if they came out and they came and they branded it as safe and effective and what we've seen is that people take the vaccine and they still get sick sometimes two or three times there's no there doesn't seem to be a uh there doesn't seem to be a reduction in spread there doesn't seem to be a reduction in uh, in, in actual like catching the sickness and they had to res uh, you know kind of backtrack all the way to well it really helps with hospitalization and death well there's not that many people who faced hospitalization and death from covid anyways so 99.96 percent survival rate right uh, it's it's i don't know it depends on which strain right right fair. um and it depends on your age and it depends on your health conditions but the uh, you know we're we're talking about you know when when Biden sat there during the presidential debate debate and said oh all of you people who must know somebody who who's not at the kitchen table nobody fucking knew anybody who died from COVID right we we'd heard you'd you'd hear about other people who might have died from COVID you you might have heard horror stories of people who come close but very few people actually know someone who was sitting at their kitchen table the day before and died of COVID. Uh, and so when you start talking about, okay, well, it doesn't stop, it, it doesn't, you know, prevent you from catching it, doesn't prevent you from spreading it, uh, but we're going to backtrack all the way to, you know, helps you with hospitalization and death, and those numbers aren't particularly significant. Well, well now you're is... in a really, really hard spot where how, how do I prove that, right? It's well, such two, a vague we're discounting claim. what they said early on, too. If we're to take Fauci's own word, it stops with you. You take this, and well, that, the next yeah. person doesn't get it. And that's that's the thing. Like the, the the things that were said that were later found to be true, right? There was that whole phase where they're like, it's breakthrough cases, right? Well, no, it doesn't appear to be breakthrough cases. It just appears to be cases, 
right? Uh, the fact that they, they had to backtrack as far as they did to some vague esoteric notion of generalized safety that can't really be demonstrated because it requires a whole host of assumptions about the, the efficacy in the hospital. And, and like those numbers were, and then when we find out all those numbers, which, you know, people like, like me were calling out as fake were in fact fake or at least not, you know, not reliable, uh, didn't conform to traditional standards, right? You get to that point and they have already had to backtrack so far on all of their very definite claims that to sit there and, and hope that they're they're being honest about their indefinite claims, well, now you run into a problem where nobody believes you. Yeah, you've got and a real credulity issue at this point. Right. So now you turn around and you're trying to argue against people who, are who, who like myself, are concerned about long-term indefinite health effects. Well, I was right. That they had no way to sit there and ver validate that it was safe, right? They have no way to validate that it was effective. We know the numbers were bunk. We know they've had to backtrack on their claims. So if somebody comes out and says, hey, it's really dangerous, and that same person was the same person saying, yeah, there's no evidence of this stuff, you know, from two years ago, well, guess who, who are you going to believe? The oh. CDC and the FDA? Of course not. Well, you know what? A one perfect example of that. Yeah is there will be a winter of severe illness and death for the unvaxxed. And that, uh, that of course, was uh, you know a famous line by the new chief of staff at the uh, Biden White House. Of course, that, that was one, was one also, of those uh, statements. That was one of the statements. There was a whole bunch of them. Oh, yeah. Right? There was a whole bunch of those different statements that were being made. And they were hopping down, up and down, trying to get people to buy into this thing. And all of these people who chose not to buy into it, right, they were turning around going, oh, what was it? They had the nurse, the nurse that came out and said, I held the the unvaccinated individuals. And that was a fake story, right? That it was. Right, that was that was fake, completely fake. And and unfortunately, you know, these, these media organizations, they ran with stuff like that. They ran with anti-ivermectin stories. Whether you believe in ivermectin or not... The media lost its credibility when they started sitting there and arguing about horse paste and uh, and sitting there and saying that people are, are coming in with overdoses, right? It's so, <laughs> they, bad in, so bad, in fact, that they had to turn away gunshot wounds. Right, yeah. So, so like, we're – when you start talking about the people who are sitting there and trying to tell you – that it reduces hospitalization and death now, who told you all of this other stuff that turned out to be wrong, and, oh yeah, by the way, uh, you know, the people who did sit there and tell you that it might be harmful uh, came out and turned out that they were correct from the get-go, well, there's a lot of people who are going to look at that and say, hey, yeah, it's might be harmful. I have, uh, there's somebody at work that she was anti-vax and I was anti-vax, and we talked, we, we talked extensively on the subject. And she believes very, very firmly that the vaccine will kill people. I don't hold such a strong point of view, but I, predominantly because there's a lack of data, right? Exactly. I can't, that. I can't yeah, prove it one way or the other. We just have to wait and see. Right. Um, but at the same time, right, I would trust her opinion of the matter more than I would trust the people who, uh, you know, 
came out and basically spouted bullshit for the last few years. Well, the, the thing you can take away is at least you know she's not making a buck off of her opinion on it. That's correct. That's one thing I can take away. I can, like, there's a lot of stuff to take away from that, but yeah, sure. she's going to end up coming off as a lot more reliable. All of the folks who sat there and argued, you know, who argued that, you know, people like me were going to suffer, and well, we didn't. And then yeah. we watched them get COVID, right? It, it that's a really that's a really tough pill for for folks who were even defending the vaccine at one time to swallow because. Well, I mean, we've they got the we've got their poster boy Joe up there. You know, he's had every single shot and every single booster, and and what he's gotten he's gotten sick after uh, after every time now. And matter of fact, on the last one, he had a relapse after he got sick again. After they had given him their uh, super special, right? Thing. And so, so if this thing is tr- supposed to be. You know, vaccines have traditionally been they conveyed some form of immunity, right? I don't have to worry about measles, mumps, and rubella. I don't have to worry about tetanus for the next five years. I understand the differences between those vaccines. You know, I watched the Candace Owens special with uh, Tim Cast yesterday, and she's super anti-vax. I'm I'm not there, right? I'm not I'm not sitting alongside her there. But at the same time, you know. This wasn't one of those. This wasn't one of the MMR vaccines. This isn't something that had such a profound and significant effect that I can dismiss it. And, you know, I run into, uh, you know, where well, we're something having... that we've all talked about numerous times, agree or not. This is brand new technology. Yep. And, and, you know, it's, period. End of story. It's brand new. We don't know and, what all's going to happen here. Not to mention the fact that some of the more recent vaccines, not necessarily all the vaccines, again, uh, you know, well, she, Candace was sitting there and talking about how polio was really uh, due to DDT spraying, and then they covered it up with a vaccine. I think that's a little bit, a little bit too much for me. Um, maybe, but, but you, you don't have when that you data. do go into some of the newer vaccines. The newer vaccines do seem to have negative health effects, and it does seem that when negative health effects are discovered, uh, even in scientific papers the research gets withdrawn very, very quickly, not necessarily with a good explanation as to why. Uh, for instance, the Gardasil shot, right? Oh, the, that's uh, a great if you example. Go, that if you talk about the Gardasil shot, people like my wife, who are who went through went through and were told all about you know how this is going to cut down on cervical cancer rates, which was only a couple thousand people a year anyways. Right. Well, yeah, it's like, it's, oh, you get, you're, well, you're getting this magic shot. Not only, not only are you not going to be able to get herpes, you're not going to be able to get cancer of the cervix. Right, exactly. And, like, and then it turns is, out that the cancer rates shit. are virtually unchanged. Uh, the disease predominantly clears up itself. Uh, and then on top of that, you run into what appeared to be, at least at one time, I know they pulled the paper on this and they they retracted it. But I, I tried to look up the uh, the actual retraction, uh, what the retraction statement was, and it looked like it was much more political than it was uh, like based in something that they did wrong. It, it wasn't like fraudulent data. Like the, the MMR and autism studies, that was fraudulent data. Um, the guy literally made it up. It wasn't – it had no basis whatsoever. They, they finally proved that it was completely made up. Uh, he had done none of the testing – and none of the, the labs were able to replicate it. 
in the case of the Gardasil stuff, you saw very high miscarriage rates. So the miscarriage rates are generally high to begin with. Um, a lot higher than what people think. It's something like 20% is the general miscarriage rate. But, like, it increased infertility by something like 25% oh, and miscarriage rates by, like, 50%. Oh, that is so, very you know. It's it was something it was something crazy like that. Like Maybe my numbers. That's not my a numbers statistical could be wrong. like anomaly. That is a statistics yelling at you. It, it was. Now the the argument that I saw for the retraction was it wasn't a large enough sample size and it seemed cherry picked and yada yada yada. Maybe, maybe I I what I can tell you is that there was a uh, a very very strong defense of the HPV vaccine and. There doesn't seem to be a clinical benefit from it, and there might be some clinical risks. And so you have a whole bunch of people who went out and got that, and that's not necessarily a, a positive net effect. You come into the mRNA stuff, it was an untested genetic technology, right? Why, why are we sitting there and treating untested genetic technologies like our good old friendly, you know, evolution of... Uh, uh, what were those things called? The the old way that they used to... Uh, inoculations. Vaccines used to be a, a, a more a more well-developed version of inoculation. Sure, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and now, now we're in... Yeah, you're not going to actually get the virus at all. We don't have to sterilize it in any way, shape, or form. We're going to have your cells become the virus. Ooh, that's a little bit weird. Well, not only that, right? it's like when you actually just kind of break down what you're saying there it's a little disturbing like hold on you're going to take cells in my body and turn them into i mean yes obviously this is exactly what the virus does and well you're no. you're well not okay quite. Or, yeah it's not exactly now this is similar in mechanism similar. to how the virus would function but, but with some not key differences exactly because generally the uh, virus will destroy the host cell upon completion of its assigned task. And yep. so far as we have seen, at least in the case of this most current use of mRNA technology, it does not. It and on top certainly of that, does not. You've got a weird cell just about sitting the, there. Uh the mRNA vaccine, if your cells are expressing an anomalous protein, why is it that your immune system isn't going to look at other proteins on the cell and start getting a false positive and potentially give you things like autoimmune diseases? Or we, perhaps like, a cytokine storm. Those, those are our real legitimate concerns of things that could happen because we don't understand all of those effects. We haven't actually tested it. You know, we, we talk about some of these mRNA technologies and where they are effective cancer treatment seems to be a pretty good one. Oh yeah, no right? that's that's the point that I've brought up so many times. It's it's almost a miracle in terms of cancer. Sure. It's it's like yeah, you're going to get it, but guess what? Now your cancer is just the flu as far as your body's concerned. It's like yeah, right. I've got it for a while, I need to fight it and then it's gone. It'll come yep. back or it won't. It, and if it, it does, will I'll it fight will it. raise it will raise all of the stuff to go identify the actual cancer. Yeah. Uh, it takes it out on its own. It's a fascinating technology. But yeah, it's, it's a perfect it's, good use it's case. It's a wonderful and novel use of this new tech. You know what? It, the worst case scenario for you, if you have, if you're receiving this as a cancer treatment, your worst case scenario is that you might get cancer down the road. 
Yeah. Your best case scenario is it saves your life. In the case of this virus, your worst case scenario is uh, a whole host of potential negative side effects. Yeah, the, the list best of case which scenario we don't is it even have to do yet. anything whatsoever. We've only got a preliminary list of those negative effects at this point, too. Right, and 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 again, the the upside is doesn't seem to exist. Right, it didn't provide immunity. It didn't stop anything. It didn't prevent the spread, and the virus was relatively non-lethal. So, it's not you're not getting the same risk reward benefit that you are off of traditional vaccines. You're not getting the same risk reward benefit off of, uh, you know. Some of these other things. Well, sir, I've got some very, very good news for you. As we all know, there's been so much trouble with, uh, you know, the issues with the heart and everything. I'll just put this in the staff chat here, but I'll uh, drop it up uh, on top as well. And that is that Moderna has come up with a solution using this novel mRNA. And it's directed, uh, injected directly into the heart. Oh, my God. And it'll treat these heart attack patients. So isn't that awesome? We've got this big problem. And look, a solution. Yep. How fortunate are we that we have such beneficent scientific overlords? And that's and that's one of the problems that people are do accuse Big Pharma of is that they come in. They come up with these imperfect solutions, and then they have to come up with treatments for the imperfect solutions, and thus, all of a sudden, you go from a relatively unmedicated state to a heavily medicated state just to stay alive because you took a bad drug. Yeah. And that's that's the thing I think people people miss is you know maybe maybe uh, you know maybe the the best case so the best case scenario for the mRNA shot is that it had a slight positive effect that's not detectable in the overall data, right? That's you want to start talking about our frame of reference. The worst case scenario is it kills you. Uh, and everything in between is relatively, at least compared to compared to other drugs and other, other uh, treatment options, uh, relatively high rates of uh, negative effects, including things like myocarditis. I think I've heard that the, uh, the estimated effect of myocarditis is something like one in a thousand people. Well, that's not particularly great. No, you know, that's to be honest, substantial considering the population of the earth at the moment, it, it really at one in a thousand, you know, the the death rate for uh, the or the the one in a thousand having a significant myocarditis. Now, that's not the kill rate, right? No, that's just no, the, that just the means rate you've got which, something going on that is very noticeable and perhaps could impact right. your health. Right. So the the rate of myocarditis is like one in a thousand. The rate of death for the actual virus itself is like uh, one in twenty five hundred. So you you create a serious heart condition in one in a thousand people, and you create death to save you from a, a chance of one in twenty five hundred death rate. Well, let's pause for a moment and keep in mind that that death rate is based on all of the people within your age group, uh, and doesn't sit there and control for things that we know are factors such as extreme obesity, uh, or uh, you know other underlying conditions. Because the average, I think, the average average COVID death had five underlying health conditions. Right. So if you have to have, if you're talking about overlap, one in twenty five hundred, the largest death, overlap in that. Just to reiterate, because we have, but it bears repeating because we have a large American audience. Large being the key point. Large, large yep. audience. So that's your biggest, biggest issue. Fat people. Yeah. That was the biggest overlap everywhere. Is being fat. And and if you if you turn around and you start talking about all of those other effects, 
you take that one in 2,500 for the average for for say an average individual or a healthy individual, uh, and the actual risk and, and the risk was was vastly different, right? A fat person, a really fat person, had a vastly different risk ratio than an individual who was of moderate, you know, like an individual who is morbidly obese has a significantly higher risk rate than somebody who's obese or mildly obese and, and you know, compared to average people. Like it was just an exponential increase in risk. So you take that one in 2,500 and that includes – uh, you know, do you, if I grab 2,500 people in the 0 to 44 age range, how many of them do I think are going to be morbidly obese? Is 1 in 2,500 excessive? Probably not, right? So, so we're talking about we're talking about you know for the rest of us, uh, some rate that's probably way smaller than that, and you're talking about a myocarditis risk rate that is you know twice what the underlying disease itself would actually cause. Sure now, yeah, there's there's all those seculi and all the other stuff, but again, predominantly affects fat people, like really fat people, mm-hmm. not mildly fat people. Like you have all the fat. Yep. So, I don't know. I I, I just you. So yeah, fatties beware. You know, COVID uh, COVID doesn't like you, or it loves you to death. I mean, it it, it really. I I know the debate right now is is because I I've been seeing it pop up more and more. Uh, the debate seems to be lab, uh, like revisiting lab leak hypothesis, and then you have so the lab leak hypothesis, which I I kind of support, based on you know I was I was all for the bat soup narrative until all of a sudden I I uh, you know I found out there was a level level four level four BSL uh, lab that does this research on those coronaviruses like right down the street. Yeah, and oh yeah, by the way, occasionally sells its animals to the wet market. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it it was like okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to change my hypothesis. But now the debate is between whether it was intentionally engineered or not. And again, you know, I, I've seen some really good arguments suggesting it was intentionally made uh, due to gain of function or one of these other research uh, pathways. Well, you, uh, and you know, there is something saying, that we can say without, without any question is that there was gain of function research done, and this is the product of that research. Uh, I don't know if we have enough information to say that. Uh, Strongly I, suggest. I would say that, but I would advise that you go back and maybe check out the interviews that I did with uh, Dr. McCarran because he's done a lot of the background on this and he's got a lot of information leading to where some of the initial strains and the initial work was done on those, which looks like it was mm. America and Canada. And then mm. it was shipped overseas when things when eyes started getting onto these projects and like, listen, we can't do gain of function. Okay, fine. We'll send to Wuhan. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's, it's not, I'm just, you know, there's, there's a big difference between is and likely to be. I, uh, yeah, I, I think I, but in any case, going back to the main thing, there's, there seems to be a lot of discussion on, um, whether it's a bioweapon or not. And if I was to, to pause for a moment and be China, and I wanted to target Americans, and I was a Chinese person uh, working for the CCP, I can make the assumption that I'm generally racist because they are. <laughs> and if I was to uh, if I was to group Americans under one bubble, the predominant bubble that would be is fat. So if I was to come up with a bioweapon that would harm America more than my own citizens. It would be a virus that specifically targets fat people. Uh, granted, 
long term, I don't think that would be a successful strategy for them. But, you know, is what it is. Uh, strong opening salvo. Yeah. But, you know, on that same note, something that lends to the uh, leak hypothesis is the ACE2 binding and how much better it is at that. And that was something, actually, I was kind of wanting to bring up because, you know, we look at what's happening now that they've uh, just axed zero COVID over there in China, and they're having a much worse time of it than somewhere like Sweden or, uh, like, South Dakota or, you know, even parts of California, for that matter, had. And I wonder if that might not be the fact that this thing just binds a little bit easier to uh, Chinese and uh, Asiatic genetics in general uh it could be uh one of the problems that you have and this is something that we we saw in most of these you know blue states that kept pretty strict lockdown regulations in effect for a long time uh your immune system is i don't want to call it it's not a muscle but it acts like you know it acts like muscle memory so you you are in a daily life constantly exposed to pathogens Right, some are viruses, some are bacteria, some are invading your skin, and not. It's not all those vaccines that keep you healthy. Your immune system is constantly getting exposure and recognizing threats in its own environment. Oh, and writing off old um, info too. What's that? Oh, writing off old data as well. I mean, there's stuff that it. Yeah. To to put it shortly, it forgets. That's not right. really accurate, but think of it that way. So if you hardcore isolate right where you're not socializing with people mm -hmm. and the spread of all those diseases which are generally kept at low level like we have we have chronic low level infections that don't actually really do us a lot of harm we just kind of perpetuate the virus within ourselves or perpetuate the bacteria within ourselves if all of a sudden you take a whole bunch of people who have avoided human contact for you know the better part of 2 years and throw them out into the world uh, with with a large mix of those people who have these viruses that have a uh, not only been staying within their system but also evolving within their system and their uh, their immune system has kind of forgotten some of the the fundamental components of your general environment uh, you're you're likely to end up with a whole bunch of health issues that show up as a result of that and that's that is one of the side effects of lockdowns. Right, that's one of the the negative side effects of lockdowns is that we will get higher death rates as soon as the lockdown ends, and it's not it's not a COVID thing, it's not a it's just a general population has bad immune system thing. Like our immune systems are pretty integral to everything, including our mating choices. So, yeah, true. The way you smell has a kind of a lot to do with. How are you going to do with a mate? So, you know, if you uh, stink, you know, you stink. Yep. Well, it's it's uh, diversity is the spice of life, right? One of the, the theories behind why blondes became uh, as popular as they are as a, as a sexual imagery uh, lies in the fact that blondes were relatively rare. So when you had a blonde in a population or when a population was exposed to this relatively rare genotype, um, that individual would be presented, that would individual present to uh, the species as a whole, blonde male or blonde female, as uniquely desirable due to the rareness. 
And part of that, the reason for the rareness is not just, hey, this individual evolves separately and has different genes than I do, and therefore uh, we can actually you know, improve the collective. That's what sex does. That's why sex is the preferred method of uh, reproduction in all species, including bacteria, is the sharing of genetic code. But it also means that they're going to uh, have a better immune system uh, or a different immune system or likely to have a different immune system than you are which means that your child will have a larger exposure to the various pathogens all over the world. And that's why exoticness of uh, sexual partners shows up as, a, as an interesting trait. Hmm. It's the appeal of strange, if you will. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, what we call it, the, uh, the Kirk principle, something like that. <laughs> I don't know if we call it that, but that is a great name for it. Hey, there you go. So I just put another one in here because it kind of ties into what we've been talking about, about uh, pharma and just largely the way they act. But uh, this is a study that uh, came out, what is this, about a week ago? And uh, what was it? It was Lexapro versus mindfulness or meditation exercises. And how well it functioned in a randomized clinical trial. The, uh, the part that I love about this and the results is, uh, just near the, near the end here. What was it? It, um, Oh yeah, it was, uh, not, it was determined to be non-inferior. <laughs> yeah. The results of this randomized clinical study trial comparing a standardized evidence-based mindfulness-based intervention with pharmacology for the treatment of anxiety disorders found that MBSR was non-inferior to uh, escitalopram? I think that's right. Hmm. Lexapro. I, uh, well, I will, I will offer that one of the things... So my, my wife and I, we started trying to have a kid. Mm -hmm. And we have, have some challenges there, which... I, uh, I'll, I'll not really dive into for a variety of different reasons, but sure, um, one of the things that, uh, you know, there was a period of time uh, just before we started trying to have a kid where I was looking at maybe uh, going the divorce route. And that was not because, like, I am, I know full well that I'm kind of a dick and I will have a hard time no. finding an alternative. Yeah, just a little bit. A little bit, little, little bit. No. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so you know, there's a risk there, but it was it was just excruciating being with her. And one of the things that had ended up happening was, you know, she finally got a diagnosis for depression and the whole bit. Uh, had her sertraline, and then she just periodically forget to take it. And when you cycle, when you completely cycle on on your psych meds it is just brutal absolutely yes. brutal to everybody who's around you like yeah, you and stop i being was dealing with that a bit. Quite it is but you know you take it out on other people also that. and it was not something that i i was I, I i didn't think i could tolerate it any longer so my wife went off birth control and uh, uh you know which she was on for 15 years and that it's kind of something that I think may have contributed to some of our challenges that we're facing right now. Um, 
but she went off birth control and all of the psych symptoms went away like within within it was three weeks of hell because uh, her hormones had to balance out and everything had to kind of like retake its natural natural state but it all went away and this one isn't of the, the things first time I think, i've heard about this what's that this isn't the first time i've heard this story i it, i mean not specifically from you but i mean i've heard this before it, it it wouldn't surprise me, right? That's why whenever we review the men versus women, mental health, and, you know, conservatives versus liberals, I am a firm believer that the uh, significant effect that we're seeing in the data is not necessarily that women are legit crazy, which I'm sure some folks would love to interpret it as, but that uh, women take birth control uh, at a much, obviously, at a significantly higher rate than men. Mm-hmm. It fucks completely with their hormonal system. And the end result is, uh, and it's solely for our sexual gratification, right? Um, but the end result of that, of shutting down their natural hormone system, is mental health issues that arise because of it. And uh, when we start talking about things like mindfulness or some of these other approaches that are less intrusive than uh, traditional medication, uh, I have been reading, you know, obviously, again, we. We, we've been looking at trying to figure out what's going on or the ways to treat it, you'll find that things like uh, traditional Chinese medicine is a lot more effective than what I thought it was. Uh, it's actually substantially effective. Surprisingly uh, so, even yes. in, in And even like, in some NIH of the kind of woo-woo-y stuff, too, like acupuncture, yeah. acupressure stuff. Like, not talking about the herbs from which we have actually driven medicine, but like some of the right. little bit wooier stuff. You get it, well, I mean, some of those things results. are like placebo effects. Sure, of course. But at the same time, placebo right? Works. You go back, you go back to ancient, ancient tribal civilizations. We had shamans. A lot of that was probably placebo effect, but the placebo effect is powerful enough to override or reset our mind. And then psychoactives also do that. So we start talking about pharmaceuticals compared to things like holistic uh holistic medicine or holistic approaches or wellness or any one of these other programs and i have a uh, i have a it doesn't surprise me in the least that we're starting to see hey slow down take a breath meditate do some yoga take some time for yourself essentially uh as as being very effective because if you consider for a moment our little monkey brains even though we worked constantly at gathering food and and our species for thousands of years was on the utter brink of starvation and death pretty much daily and that's gone now the one thing that they did have was a lot less stimuli and a lot less an incredibly less complicated world uh, yeah the levels of complexity that the average human today deals with as opposed to just say for instance the medieval area is worlds apart and this I is taking would, into account that go... your average individual is basically going to be a farmer and has to do all that farm shit but the thing about I would it is even, we I would do even argue more that, complex tasks on I would even argue day. that the uh, the evolution of society in the last 10 to 20 years is significantly more intense than it used to be right that's a fair statement um, I, I you know we we live we live you know, two or three lifespans worth of information a year kind of thing. That's probably an exaggeration, but 
consider how, how media, quickly you have how access much media to information you're taking from in, the internet. I mean, that's not necessarily wrong. It, it, it's not, but maybe not the best consider example, how quickly but you have access not to information from the internet, right? Yeah. If I wanted to do the same thing as YouTube for a house project, I'd have to go to the library and read a book and check that out. And I couldn't watch other people do it. I'd probably have to do practices. So now the the thing that I can go say, okay, yeah, I need to grab these three things from Home Depot and get get started, takes me five minutes for something that would probably have taken me four to five weeks, or, or you know, a month and a half of research and, and work on it. Yeah, and, that's and not only that, you can watch somebody go ahead and do the thing and then just follow the direct instruction. Right, and and now now we're talking about that kind of instantaneous access to information. We essentially, in in the same amount of time, we live much more. We have tons more competing information. Uh, the everything from our bills are more complex to from what they were, you know, years ago. You take twenty years off, and all of a sudden, we didn't need, we didn't have an internet bill and a phone bill, and uh, you know, hospitals weren't well, billing you seven let's times back for a procedure. Twenty years, and how many bills? For monthly services that weren't bills, aside from like your water, your electric, your gas, that sort of shit, how many bills are you going to have? Twenty years ago, twenty in the year two thousand. Let's just say you're it. you're going to probably have your mortgage, mm-hmm. your electric bill, your mortgage or your uh, rent, your mortgage or your rent, your electric whatever bill, utilities, and a cable bill. Yeah, a cable bill, and probably let's be fair, we're Americans, an internet bill. And that's it. Uh, twenty years ago. Yeah, I don't know about that. Okay, well, it's it wouldn't be unreasonable to say that you did have one. It's yeah, it's not unreasonable, but it's also it'd be like saying you have a cell phone bill too. And you know what's going to be on that cell phone? Text messages and and calling, and that's it. You want more than that? You you can play Snake. Yep. Enjoy. And and now we're dealing with you know and and I love I love the complexity of our society I think that's a good thing, you know it's a it's a net positive. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Bats makes a good uh-huh. example here that he says uh, AI, AI once largely implemented will be the next wave of intensity for humanity, good and bad. And he makes yep. a point there because that will automate some of these very complicated processes, which will allow us to further specialize and delve into even more complicated processes. Yes. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, AI is something that kind of terrifies me. No, as well it should. You start looking like ChatGPT. It's an incredibly powerful tool. And they're it teaching it to fucking lie. Yeah. That's horrifying. That That is horrifying. At you least know, Tay was it, it honest. Is, it is. Rest her one fucking of the, so, soul. So we talked, we talked about it before with the Elon Musk stuff and, like, how he was a futurist or it probably still is, I, I should say he probably still is. Um, but as a futurist, he, uh, you know, he, he kind of came in and nobody wants that future anymore, future stuff anymore because everybody started to insert their politics into it. Um, and ultimately that is severely detrimental to, um, to the ad- adoption of advanced technologies. And as we start talking about AI, um, the fact that they're 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 putting a a political weight on the scale is you know I think really 
not great for its mass implementation, which, you know, I, I'm not opposed to that, right? I, I don't know if I agree with AI, but if they're going to uh, if they're going to turn around and and, and uh, start sitting there and having something uh, provide me services and information, I'm going to look at it very differently if uh, I know that I'm not going to get accurate information or I'm going to get biased information or it's going to tell me things that are on the World Economic Forum agenda because that's become popular. No, Hello? Absolutely. Oh, no, no, no. I, I completely agree with you. And that's actually a perfect example, too, like of exactly whom we need to uh, be concerned about. Well, that, that's that's one group, but it's always going to be it's always going to be that question, right? You know, yeah. Well, who's where... it going to be next? As a matter of fact, I've heard some reporting, and I can't I can't put anything to this because you know I follow so many different sources. But there's uh, apparently some reporting that individuals inside of the WF now are saying that Klaus has got a bit of a, a god complex. You don't fucking say, but right, but. That's... I mean, people. Water in, is wet. Right? Yeah, and the sky is blue. Oh, actually, it's not blue. It's a reflection of light. Shut the fuck up. Anyway, uh, there's people in his orbit that are saying that he's got a bit of a god complex. So that that bodes well. I mean, honestly, you could put about anybody at the head of that other than, say, Dan Schneider, that would be better. Uh, I mean, again, there's, there's certain aspects of the, the WEF that, like, people will latch on to because they sound like it's crazy shit that they're saying. Yeah. It literally Um, sounds like James Bond villain shit. uh, Some of it does. And some of it is, you know, interpretations therein. You know, I remember the, uh, the, the, what is it? You'll own nothing and be happy. We've already moved more and more to a subscriber based model for life. There's a lot of companies doing that because a, they found, they, they finally got things, you know, well enough made that they survive. Well, I mean, you can and also get nobody your, buys uh, products anymore. DLC immune system from Pfizer and Moderna now too. Yeah, well, that's that's the the scary part, right? You know, it's it's one thing to turn around and talk about your Office 365 subscription, which I hate, um, but it's another thing. It's another thing when when uh, you're starting to talk about, you know, uh, will I be able to survive if I don't pay? You know, it's it's the I don't have an issue with Monsanto's protocols, but it's that that same heebie-jeebies that people get when they talk about Monsanto, right? It's the, uh, you know, patenting your genome and patenting, you know, it's it's one thing to to have access to medical care. It's another thing if what if what if I have to turn around and believe what you believe in order to have access to medical care? That's going to be a problem for me. All right, valid point. And that's. Uh... Well, we look at what they're doing with ChatGPT. You know, if you've got that running some kind of back end on something, it's like, you know, uh, we're just going to need you to answer a few quick questions before we can uh, go ahead and update the smart contract on your uh, Bitcoin wallet. And we won't even. Uh, yeah, real quick, did you uh, catch the news about the 200,000 on uh, wallets? Uh, no. Okay. I did not. So you're not going to be able to do exchanges with places unless they. I think, and you have $200,000 in crypto. Or what? Uh, you're just not going to be able to trade in crypto. What do you mean? How, how are they going to implement that? That's a good question. Okay. Let me see here. This was just in that the doesn't, news. that's, that's like, 
I'll be pissed if that happens. Like that's just blocking off. I I've just been I've been spending so so for those uh, I don't think I've talked about it very extensively because I've been doing like lots and lots of testing. Uh, but I have I have subscribed to Coin Rule for the last few months to do massive amounts of testing of various crypto strategies. And one of the things that really pisses me off about the U.S. equity markets is that uh, you have that twenty-five thousand dollar buy-in to day trade, which is freaking retarded. True. Um, but the crypto markets don't have that, and so one of the you know when I was complaining about the KYC requirements going in, um, the KYC requirements came in, and then all of a sudden at the same time that after they've been for the last few years blocking people in various states or in various uh, in the United States from accessing crypto exchanges. So my issue with KYC was I couldn't actually get on to a crypto exchange that a few years ago used to be this really great open source market where you could buy, sell, trade. I built programs. Uh, I had a uh, a crypto arbitrage program. It uh, I have if, if we were to look at at peak crypto numbers, I probably lost seventy, eighty thousand uh, dollars worth of crypto on by trying to trade on the exchanges because they are huge security vulnerabilities. Uh, I have probably spent about four grand of my own money on crypto, uh, just about. And uh, I still, as as much as I've lost that, I actually don't. It doesn't bother me or phase me that I lost that because it's such a freeing market that you learn every time you make a mistake, and you don't have that opportunity with the U.S. equities market which really sucks. So I've been doing coin rule to sit there and learn uh, basically day trading or at least, uh, you know, price signals and, and all of that stuff. Uh, and if they turned around and they said, Hey, you can't fuck around with $300 in the U S crypto markets. That would piss me off. 200,000 though. That's a pretty high bar. How are um, they implementing it? I'm trying to find some data on that right now because I just read some, I hate to put something out like that because it's kind of really important and there's not a lot of backing data I'm finding on it. So I'm going to have to look into this and I might have to come back to it because it it's one of those death of crypto kind of things. So I've got a... Uh, I'm usually decent at research, but there's just so much fucking shit going on right now that I might not be able to find this right away. Well, that, uh, that would be very prudent for me to know yeah but i mean that that really is kind of a death of crypto kind of thing it's like listen if you're not trading less than two hundred thousand dollars or even a hundred thousand dollars for that matter that yeah if you if you're required to be wealthy in order to access crypto that's just going to be i've seen i've seen on forums people say oh the u.s government just doesn't want their citizens to get rich um no. i don't think that's entirely correct but i do understand the sentiment <laughs> Because we seem to put in all these restrictions, unless you're already wealthy, which, you know, but 200000 would be quite high. I don't know if they'd be able to succeed in that. Alright, yeah, I'm not finding it right away. I'm going to have to get back to this one. Uh, let, me, let me write myself a note so I don't actually forget about this. Because that's kind of important. Yeah, I uh, I would agree. All right, I've got that. Okay, I I will find an answer to that, 
Unless, uh, yeah, no, I'm nobody in chat knows what I'm talking about either. Okay, well, yeah, it is what it is. I will try and find more on that because there's just it's been a busy fucking day, a busy time. Like, uh, yes, it there's is. Really, just so much going on. Uh, like, for instance, there's this. Um, this new AP course they're rolling out that's supposed to be an African American studies course. Oh yeah, I saw that. I linked that earlier in Florida. Indeed, uh, Ron has said no, no, this uh, isn't going to happen because, uh, like him or not, he's realized the uh, realized or been told the contents of this uh, course, and it. But to put it simply, it's Marxism. Um, that's. Well, all of those of gender, all of those grievance study courses are all Marxist courses. Certainly, all of them are. Yeah, absolutely. But the uh, the funny part to me, and I think the primary reason I've linked the article is uh, is they decided to quote whatever that that chick is who wrote the sixteen nineteen project. Oh, and brilliant. and uh, you know they quoted her as a a scholar who. Uh, spent her time going into the the history of African Americans for the 1619 project, uh, historical project, which you know is also banned in Florida schools. And I was like, yeah, but why didn't you mention the fact that it has been routinely debunked by historians as being factually inaccurate? Like it's kind of a critical component to judge uh, whatever her name is and the quality of her work. Yeah. And her opinion on the matter, and just and to, it would uh, lead just to break that down real quick because I know it right offhand. The uh, long and short of the sixteen nineteen project is in sixteen nineteen slaves were brought to the Americas and were bought, but unfortunately, that story falls apart very quickly because slaves were brought to America, but. There were no rules or laws for slavery, and the people here didn't really believe in it at the time. So they paid whatever needed to be paid to get these people, you know, off of these boats. And then, in short order, they became citizens and landowners and property owners and able to vote and own property in their own right. Because all they had to do was just, okay, well, we paid in this money to get you guys here. And then they worked it off, and then they were free. That's quite the opposite of a slave. And that was uh, so. That was the original arrangement. The original arrangement was largely indentured servitude, and it only turned into slavery because enough indentured servants were. They, they basically what would happen is you'd get a contract for like say seven years, uh, and you would get a you would get your your passage, all of your food, all of your water all of your other stuff to bring yourself and your family over. And you would get that up front in exchange. You would get a, like a five year or a seven year contract to go work for, uh, for, you know, an employer, right. Who would still pay you your food and your water and all the other stuff. And you start talking about that. Uh, consider for a moment, how much it would cost for you as an individual in this country to move overseas to say England. And it's the same kind of thing. Right, it's not it's not going to be cheap. There's 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 no aspect of uh, overseas travel that's going to be cheap. And that's not to say that, that you know you're going to be l- riding luxury or first class. Nor is it to say that these people had as much stuff 
but just the uh, the trip alone would be a few thousand dollars uh you know because again we're talking about ocean liners here before air travel so it's not going to be a really quick thing to get you over uh it's going to be a really slow thing where they have to feed you the entire time uh and only one of you know if you're bringing a family of four over you know only one of them is going to be working and they have to pay for all four of those people there and then they have to pay for the housing so typically be five to seven year long contracts uh you would make some amount of you would essentially have money that would be set aside for you at the conclusion of your contract. And uh, after your seven years, you'd walk out the door with all of your, your papers in order. Uh, it, you, you'd get a stipend of money to get started, and off you'd go on your married damn way. Uh, it wouldn't now, be as much as... this is in a perfect world. There, things often got more complicated, but that's it did. kind of that's something for another show entirely because the, the, it, that there gets are, very complicated. It is it is a hundred percent true that there are employers who would violate those contracts. Uh, it is it is absolutely true that those workers didn't have traditional rights or OSHA or anything like that. So you go to like the steel mills, and uh, yeah, they'd give you a seven year contract, but your life expectancy in a steel mill was like three years. Yeah. So, so there's all kind. Yes, there is shenanigans there, yada, yada, yada. Uh, however, the reason that slavery became a thing was because enough of these indentured servants started breaking their contracts. And because they broke their contracts and they, uh, they, they ended up having to have a bounty system to go catch these people and return them back there. But how do you sit there and deal with – like what's the punishment? You put them back to work or do you send them to jail or what else do you do? And so the end result was that they started changing it from contracts of a certain period of time, which were difficult to enforce and everything else associated with that, to, uh, to just like you, – you know, just doing slavery. You just you just don't it right. The, the, that person never gets to leave unless you free them uh, in writing, um, and that was why slavery developed. It was an alternate to the, or it was an evolution of the indentured servitude system. And the reason that we we got uh, African American slaves, or African Americans became the majority slave race, had nothing to do with anything in particular because it was originally white slaves and black slaves. The majority. Uh, I believe they were. Well, I mean, maybe sure around the were. end, yes. But, I mean, for the longest, Towards... for the bulk of the time, I would say that they, I'm fairly, and I'm welcome to being wrong here, but I think that up until probably about, you know, just prior to Civil War times that they would have been in the minority. It, it, it all depends on whether you're talking continental United States or American oh, just, colonies. Just continental America. Just continental United States. I'd have to, I'd have to go double check. And I, again, uh, I, I was always wrong, of the opinion that that was predominantly the, and the reason the reason that uh, black people became the predominant source of slavery was they were easily identifiable. Oh, right? sure. And not uh, only that, yeah. I mean, they did evolve in a plains area to do work in heat for long periods of time. And you've got no, that, somebody that's that kind of perfectly adapted to the problem you're trying to solve. You know, there's that too. Physically stronger, more robust constitution. But yeah, better yeah, able to stand up in long periods in the sun. That was the evolution of slavery. It wasn't a. It wasn't originally like that. No. That's not to say you know. And then that's we not have a, a the uncomfortable questions of you know who sold the slaves that went onto the boats. Well, that's who that was the boats? actually. 
going back to Scott Adams companies, you know, there's, there's all sorts of very complicated questions involved in this. My, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite Scott Adams segments was he decided to tackle reparations and he says, okay, so the problem with reparations is you have to decide how you're going to, to distribute the money. Right. And that's really what it is. And what is considered fair? So where where do we turn around and go, uh, and and how do we turn around and calculate the lost wages essentially? Because that's that's the argument, right? They worked they worked uh, without being compensated. They're 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 due compensation, yada yada yada. So the answer, uh, you know, he turns around, <laughs> and I've I've used the same argument myself is uh, when I, I encounter people who are pushing for reparations is. Uh, let's sit there and take a look at the average wage of an American and then compare that with the average wage of an African. And uh, we can say confidently that had an individual stayed in Africa, them and their children, what is their average wage during that period of time? Uh, And then you come here and you start talking, yeah, okay, so they didn't make any money. That's true. But they did get, you know, guaranteed food and shelter, which is... I guess a plus downside is beatings and all the other stuff, but that was corporal punishment was common during that era. So we, we can't really discount that. So the, the real comparison is going to be, are the ancestors of slaves better off today than the people who stayed over there? And that's really like, that's the most fair way to, to judge uh, reparation amounts. And if you do that, they should, the end result would be that they would owe uh, everybody else money. <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, it's like I've said, you know, if if we're willing to talk about reparations, I mean, I guess I'll accept some money from black people for all the blood and treasure that my, you know, ancestors spilled on their behalf. If yeah. they, if if they really want to pay me, I'll take the money, sure. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. It is uh Yeah, it is it is very very strange. But the, I, I couldn't believe that they turned around and started citing whoever wrote the 1619 project and saying, oh, yeah, you know. She wrote the 1619 project. Yeah, but you left out the fact that she, everything was debunked by actual historians. Yeah. And that she's not even like a formal historian. She wrote a, a black Israelite think piece. That's yeah, not a, much. It's not an argument. I mean, it's not even on, like, uh, Kanye levels of intelligence here. We're really just scraping the bottom of the barrel on this one. <laughs> Kanye, I think Kanye's actually a pretty bright guy. Oh, he is, and he actually makes a sound argument, even if he's trying to use literally the most acerbic words that he possibly can to make it. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, you know. Not, not the best choice. Credit to not you. I mean, these are these things need to be said. Maybe not in that way but whatever you do you brother whatever that's your call yeah it is it is so all right so yeah, I guess I, a I little bit of uh i've got a little bit of bad news because i we've been falling on brazil and uh, it appears that uh Herr bolsonaro is a complete and utter coward a coward to make donald trump's cowardice look like uh, bravery in the face of greatest danger so uh, the new justice minister, uh, Flavio Dino, he's declared the elimination of the uh, Special Operation Commando of the Federal Highway Police. Those are basically like the uh, the SWAT guys who were dealing with all the cartels and dealers, uh, smugglers, 
and that sort of thing. So it's uh, it's already begun, and with the uh, the cowardice of their uh, former leader, it looks like it's just going to continue and probably probably get a lot worse than it ever was before. So I I really hope that some good people do the right thing before it's too late, because the head of the army's also already been sacked. Mm. Yeah, but in uh, hilarious and good news, ah, yeah, no, it's hilarious. Uh, the uh, celebrity p- promoters uh, like Jimmy Fallon, a bunch of other fucking people that uh, supported Bored Apes when it came out, are uh, being sued. Yeah, I saw that, and that's, I, um, that's funny to me. I don't, I don't know. I I don't think that you're gonna have a case for. Oh, probably not. But I mean, it'll be right. Funny to like see what they get out like of an NFT. An NFT is fundamentally art, mm-hmm. and art is fundamentally as valuable as the market says it is. Absolutely. And so when you start arguing, oh, you know, these guys are going to get sued because NFTs crashed. No, no, no. You speculated in what, in my opinion at the time, uh, was a retarded asset. (laughs) Not an asset, not going to appreciate over time. And now you want to go blame Jimmy Fallon because you were a dumbass. Oh, let me just read this I, uh, to you. You'll, you'll appreciate this. You'll have a lovely little bit of schadenfreude out of here. The truth is that the company's entire business model relies on using insidious marketing and promotional activities from A-list celebrities that are highly compensated, without disclosing such, to increase demand of the Yuga securities by convincing potential retail investors that the price of these digital assets would appreciate. Come the fuck on. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. At the end of the day, it, it, when you make an investment, you have to assume that you're going to lose it. Yeah. Right? That is uh, what I, I, I for anybody who's looking for a good channel to understand investing. Like I said, I've been I've been playing around with uh, technical indicators. I've technically been doing it for a while, and then I switched to kind of a news based strategy, and I did very well for most of the year. I actually beat the market for most of the year, and then the last little bit, I was I, I really heavily started banking on uh, fiscal collapse, and that didn't happen. No, not quite. Oh. I uh, I'm I'm really I'm really hoping that 2023 will turn into a 2008 redo, and I will get to recoup my losses. But uh, as of right now, eventually at this point, right? Yeah, I mean I'm still up, but I'm only up three or four percent over the last year instead of where I was. Yeah, it's like, how but long I uh, can you keep up this shell game, guys. God damn. I don't know. I I was I was surprised. You know, I I bought the inverse of uh of of natural gas prices and somehow those collapsed uh and i bought a inverse of china because uh, back back when the riots were happening in china i was really expecting a hardcore ccp crackdown instead they did the unexpected and relaxed uh relaxed their zero covid policy uh, not only, uh, and they then just dropped it like a bad habit yeah, it, it was. It was. I am. I was really, truly surprised that in a protest, it didn't turn into like. Yeah, this could actually be a bad precedent for them actually bending to protesters. Right, and that's that was my thought is that they're going to look at it as if they bend to protest now, 
they will because the CCP relies very heavily on authoritarian uh, and and autocratic rules. Well, not only and, that too. Also, the uh, kind of unspoken uh, social contract or promise that's made between them and the ones they rule, which is we will get you to the future, a better future. It might be rough, it might be a little ugly, but we will get you there. And yep. now, you know, where so much of that has been betrayed and just tossed to the wind, you know, people are waking up to see it. Yep. I, uh, so I was expecting that to be a giant human rights violation captured on film, mm -hmm. and none of that happened. Uh, so so I, I invested poorly there. I think I got, oh, I've still got my uh, my Bitcoin investment from back when it was 40,000. I've got 500 there that I should I will hopefully recover. Uh, I got 100 that I put down on automation uh, as an index. That just tanked with this this whole past year and I just haven't sold out yet. I should, but now, I, I haven't gotten said, around to it yet. There's a bit of a population collapse in China, so that that's going to be Maybe. something that'll happen. Now, question Maybe. is a matter of time and the scale on it. So. Yeah. Something yeah, and I have uh, let's see what else do I got? I got I got one other big one. That's oh, I I bought so back in the middle of the summer I was anticipating the up down of the uh, of the biotech stocks. And at some point I made just a ton of money on the uptrend in biotech stocks. It had been going for like 4 or 5 days at like a banger a banger increase every single day and I turn around and I invested in that and that just never like I first invested in the inverse of that and that never like it just continued so I lost like half that so I'm still still waiting for the economy to tank so that China goes down and gas goes up and uh, and uh, biotech burns but uh, I, I'm not seeing it. I, my expectation whenever I sit there and toss money is that I could lose it and it's really, really hard to control emotions. Uh, you know, I have, I took my $500 out and bought uh, $500 out of my, my winnings in the market. And I put it, that into crypto, uh, specifically with the intent of doing bulk trades on that. Uh, my 500 very quickly collapsed down to like 400 something. Uh, I think it was like 440 or something by the time I actually got it out of Coinbase. Uh, and that was just, just because that's the way the market was. And I got it over to KuCoin, at which point my 440 is now at 388 uh, due to a variety. Me sitting there and, and deciding to dump money into altcoins as part of a trading, <clears throat> a tested trading strategy. And altcoins are always crap, and they can't necessarily take, you know, a couple hundred bucks being thrown at them at any time because then you spike the price and the end mm. result is that uh people sit there and take advantage of that and yeah, that sucks that. yeah on that note i will say uh my gold star recommendation from back in the day is it's over where i said to buy and that's nokia all right it's well. somehow held up this whole time i will say it's never really gone to some crazy amount because after all it's not going to the moon until they go to the moon and when they go to the moon well then things get interesting because they've got the lunar contract hmm. but even well, in the once, meantime once they get subscribers up on the moon oh yeah yeah I mean just think about how much porn those aliens are going to watch right absolutely I mean we're just talking about blondes 
Anyway. Yeah. So, but. do I have any other like good stories for the end of the night, or are we just gonna stop on kind of a kind of a weird note? Oh, um, hmm. I don't know if it's a good news or bad news, but the tech sector is absolutely immolating. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, Not sure how that's going to play out. Yeah, there's a lot of folks that already know how to code, so what are they going to learn to do? I don't know. Maybe they'll learn to be journalists. Well, like, you know, my, my wife my wife has been kind of studying that. She's, she's doing her MBA. Uh, not necessarily the wisest in stock picks so far, but she's doing her MBA. And uh, one of the things that she was mentioning is that you know, one of the reasons they are collapsing is tech used to have crazy high salaries. And then with the pandemic, there's a whole bunch of people that got hired to go do tech, uh, do IT and equipment installations, the whole bit across the board because everybody was at home and they needed to telework and do whatever else to keep businesses going. Well, the end result was that that shifted the demand from like a long-term curve that would consist, provide sustainable income to the business to a very, very sharp demand spike. And now they're dealing with having hired a ton of people that they basically didn't have. Uh, you know, there, there's there's already been an uptake of that technology, so there's no no place to put these people, nothing to teach them on on this stuff. There's no deployment that they can go do, and now they're just kind of burning a hole in the pocket. My personal thought was that I actually think that that Elon Musk coming into Twitter and cleaning house probably had more of an influence on a lot of these software-based companies. I have no doubt um, that it probably, in a way, kind of greenlit that uh, behavior. Yeah. I I would be willing to bet you, because, you know, everybody was of the, oh, Twitter's going to go crash, it's going to burn down to the ground with all of the engineers supporting it and all of these other teams. And it turns out it's running just damn fine. Right? I like, I remember about as well like, as it oh, has ever. Yeah, I remember people saying, "Oh, it's been glitchy." I, I never, I haven't had a glitch yet. Yeah, I mean, here uh, and there, maybe, but then it gets fixed. My, uh, my largest complaint is I think that they started, uh, they, they started really cracking down on the trans stuff. That's probably been my biggest complaint there. Hmm. So you're not allowed to say it's a mental illness, and you're like, yeah. okay, well, yeah, there has been an the odd crackdown on things that uh, just kind of of late. Makes uh, makes one think that maybe they've still got uh, some problematic folks in there or some time bombs, if you will, you know, that have been uh, inadequately diffused. Oh, but well, on the note of uh, Microsoft cutting all those jobs, you may or may not have heard, but they've uh, gone into a multi-billion dollar investment with uh, OpenAI on, uh, you know, things like ChatGPT and all that for... I mean, they're going to need somebody to make that code, right? It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I, uh, I, my largest concern with AI is that it will exceed our ability to reassign human talent. That's a real possibility. That's fair. That's my largest concern. That's that's not an unreasonable concern. I got nothing I can say to that. I mean, we need to uh, get out into space real quick. Then that's what I'm hearing. Well, I mean, I, I guess like so you'll you'll always have the physical world, and that won't become a AI dominated space. 
uh, because that's it's really hard to replace the utilitarian uh, kind of generalist approach of which humans are. Plus, if you're not actually benefiting humanity, how how are you going to run an economy based off that, right? Oh, sure. You have to have customers. You have to have paid customers in order to have paying customers. Um, because AI won't run itself, and there's no no point in doing that. So, yeah, I mean, so there's you have probably some dumb bullshit like universal basic income. You've still got to be uh, you're going to be spending that money somewhere. So, right, like there, you're going to have to have people doing something. You're not going to be able to just do UBI or straight UBI. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be it'll be interesting. That's for sure. That's absolutely for sure. And um, I don't know if this is good or bad, but it's another one that's kind of funny, and I think you'll get a kick out of this one. So there was uh, set to be a green energy plant that was going in in Virginia, but uh, it was going to be an electric car battery plant. But it was uh, set to be run by a CCP-tied company, and so Youngkin blocked it. Oh, very nice. Yeah, let me get the article here. I'll drop it for you. It's out of the free beacon. I I will say that I have seen... So nuclear is growing in prominence. It is. People uh, are finally think, having the conversation. I think there is... There seems to be a tacit uh, understanding that wind and solar don't work. I have seen... Now, granted, I might have muted all these, these people who are idiots. Um, I may have You'll seen... I'm seeing a idiots, lot... But, you know. <laughs> Well, I, I say that, yeah. I, I know that there are infinitely more idiots than I can possibly click mute buttons. Um, but at the same time, I have seen less people arguing in favor of solar and wind. Every once in a while, you find somebody who is astoundingly stupid. Like, I, I was it three, four weeks ago on Twitter, somebody was telling me that, uh, oh, fuck, vanadium batteries were going to be the next thing. And I'm like, they toss, cost $1,500 per kilowatt hour. Like, you are never going to run a country on solar and vanadium batteries. He's like, well, China's building some. I'm like, China's building some just to build stuff because they got, like, they have to. <clears throat> Don't look at China building something as if it's, like, an actual need or something they consider to be viable technology. Like, they, they build cities that nobody lives in. Yeah, and then tear them um, down. Well, actually, no, they don't but, tear them down. They actually just kind of literally knock them over. The videos are horrible. I have, uh, I have seen... So nuclear is growing in terms of uh, cultural preponderance. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then and the other thing that I've like, noticed... I mean, we're seeing places that are putting in the contracts and actually setting up new plants. I mean, they yes. haven't necessarily gone in yet, but because you know, nuclear plants, unfortunately, still are a big fucking deal to install. Yep. But, but they yeah. they are... They're growing in the public discourse. There is more people pushing back on uh, on people who are sitting there and talking wind and solar. There's more people pushing back on those who are making absurd claims about nuclear. And I have started to see in pop culture more and more references to hydrogen. So I suspect that we're, you know, it, I don't think it's going to be in the next year, but I suspect in the next four or five years we're going to start approaching a zeitgeist where people actually accept what I've been saying all along, which is, uh, you know, our future is nuclear, hydro, and hydrogen. And it's just not, like, there's no other way to do it. 
climate change or no climate change, those are the best technologies that we have. Oh, yeah. And, you know, right now, today, there exists uh, – uh, there's a – I believe it's been a genetically engineered strain of algae that can be processed directly into something very, very comparable to petroleum. So, uh, there is, but yes, yes and no, right? So the issue that you have uh, is in single cellular development, uh, there is a very, very high amount of evolution that happens with each generation of cellular division. And ultimately, a lot of what ends up happening during that evolution is the cutting of various genes. Some of those genes can be cut, uh, and they result in death to the cell. And so obviously those cells don't propagate. Other genes get cut, and they do not relate to death to the cell. Uh, and those cells continue to survive. So when you start talking about biofuels from algae, it requires algae that have a gene that codes for a very, very uh, – a, a, an extra dense lipid layer around the cell. So they, they have just more fat essentially uh, in the cell wall than traditional traditional algae do. But that's not a required gene in order for the cell to function. They can curb some of the, the frequency with which, you know, basically what they do is they say, hey, produce three of this this um, <clears throat> produce three of this protein instead of one of these proteins. And they can curb out the other two copies within the genome and uh, still survive. And because of that, those cells end up requiring less raw materials to replicate and because they require less raw materials to replicate they can replicate faster which means that after a certain period of time yeah. all of your genetically modified algae uh or your your genetically modified algae population grows uh, is is essentially replaced or beaten out by the non-genetically modified algae population within you know before you reach the point at which you'd harvest and so you never quite hit the uh the threshold lipid content that you need from the lice, uh, the lysing mm. of the cells. Yeah, I guess you'd have to. Well, I, I wouldn't know, but I imagine you'd have to tinker quite a bit more. Then you'd have to you'd have to find some way to create like essentially a synthetic uh, lipid shell that is only high density and can't be stripped down further. <clears throat> Yeah. Very tough to do. It might be possible. It's it's well beyond my means, but I don't know. It's an interesting thought exercise. Indeed. Now, was there anything else you were wanting to uh, cover tonight? I think the only thing that I have on my list is the trans study that I linked earlier. Um, so I saw it come across my Twitter feed. ABC News has now published a brand new study that shows that uh, gender affirming care is, you know, with a large with a large sample size, with that was people who criticized in the past, uh, but with a large sample size, has identified uh, that gender affirming care does produce uh, significant positive health outcomes in teens. Right mm -hmm. now, I am first off. If you go into any of the actual like uh, surgical stuff, that's just nightmare fuel. 
you look oh, at some of the people yeah. who go through those things like that that's that's just my heart goes out to the people who are told that this will somehow cure them of their mental illness um and and their pain and their suffering like and, my my heart really know, does go out I'll, to those people i'll touch on that real quickly and it's something that i probably i'm sure you'll agree tim pool has actually had an excellent way of describing will yes, call it he bottom has. surgery it yep. is you are making a wound in yourself that another person uses to pleasure themselves. Yep. That gives it you is, no joy. That I, I, yeah, it is. Uh, it is a gruesome description, but valid. And and you listen to some of these people, and and it really, truly, it is. It is a painful story to hear. It really is. Um, like the bot one you, that's asking for medical assistance and dying. Yep. I, uh, I feel very, very bad for the people who have mental illness, who feel this, this lack or this sense of dysphoria in their, themselves. I, I, I really feel bad for these people who, uh, you know, come in with, you know, they come in as teenagers going through puberty. Uh, they're feeling anxiety and depression, which is kind of normal as a teenager going through puberty. Pretty much everybody has it. And they they get suggested to either through their own research or, uh, you know, research into online forums. They get suggested that maybe their problem might be, you know, not just not might not be anxiety and depression, but it might just be that they're, you know, they're they're gender dysphoric. And maybe if they started living as the opposite gender, they'd be happier. And then you get this whole uh, Pool calls it grooming, where they walk them down the path, and they're like, "Oh, cut your hair shorter," and you do, and then they give you praise, and, and you I've get praise. News article, uh, or, or you got like poor social too. skills, and you go to the LGBT alliance, and the LGBT alliance fills you with praise, uh, praise and recognition, and kind oh, of steers you, you down that path. You look so good with that short boyish right. hair. If uh, if you want to again, uh, you know, have your heart broken. Jordan Peterson uh, interviewed somebody. I can't. Chloe something or other. I can't remember what her name is. Um, but she's she's one of the the folks who desisted, and it is. It's 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 it. I I'm laughing because it's very clear in the interview that she's like perpetually in horny jail, and I feel very bad for. Her. Because I understand the, I I empathize entirely as an individual who's also perpetually in horny jail. Um, I get sex regularly, but I'm still in in, in horny jail pretty much all the time. Mm. Um, so, so I I get that. Uh, but you you listen to her story and it's terrifying, right? Like she's just basically kind of a socially awkward teen, and she goes and joins the LGBT alliance, and the LGBT alliance, uh, you know, talks her into being trans, and then, uh, you know, she uh. Because, so like she, she, you know, she started off as a tomboy, which some girls are, uh, nothing wrong with that. And so all of a sudden she got to an age where uh, the boys that she used, her friends, her, uh, the boys that she used to hang out with as friends were able to, you know, just like beat her out in sports all of a sudden. And I can, I, can you imagine just being a child who is largely androgynous in, in interests and that's about 20% of women, uh, and to also 20% of men uh, are, are more aligned with the opposite sex than they are their own. And then all of a sudden your friends have a different... You have the same social interests as them, but you can no longer play with the boys. 
not because you're a girl, but you physically can't keep up. They're faster. They are. Uh, they have better mapping skills. They have all this other stuff. Uh, and meanwhile, you go over to the girls' side, and this is what you're listening to with Chloe here, and they, they have interests that you're just not aligned with at all. And that I, I can't imagine how difficult that is. And then to be told, oh, well, you're really just the opposite gender, that's just awful as a kid. Um, but this study... Going back to my original point, this study, which was hailed by ABC News as having 300 members uh, in it, is oh, that's an overwhelming uh, and, majority of the population right there. Well, I mean, it's it's pretty good for a trans study, uh, fair right? Enough. Like I've I I have seen uh, just just for for reference as to how bad studies on trans people are. I remember at one point somebody came. Do you remember the claim back when they turned around and they said, "Hey, it's it really is identifiable as a physiological feature in the brain." Do you remember when they were claiming that? It was I probably about 4 so. or 5 years ago. I think so. Oh, yeah, like there was a, a study for that. in the brains or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was it was like they they're disproportionate gray matter or something like that that was more like female brains than male brains. Uh the study size for that was 12. Hmm. Uh it was not 12 trans people it was like five trans people and seven normal people and they were looking at slides from these people who identified as trans and like no actual methodological process it was a subjective evaluation of the scientist at the time and they published that with 12 slides of brain taken from trans versus non-trans people and it was like that. That is how bad. So you turn around, you start talking about three hundred people in a trans study. That's actually really good. Wow, that's um, not great at all. No, it's it's not. And I think I've linked some other stuff where uh, they'll they'll have they'll start with three hundred people, and by the time the study's done, there's only eighty one people left in the study. And so then they draw all of their conclusions from the eighty one who stayed in gender affirming care ignoring the 220-some-odd people who quit, right? And they'll say, hey, all of these people this worked really, really well for. Well, did it really work well for them? Like, what happened to the 220 that quit? Uh, and it's like a very moderate, or a very minor percentage gain. So this study sits there and comes up and says, 300 people, uh, you know, showing that over two years, uh, they have positive affect scores and a ver bunch of psycho psychometric traits so i turn around i looked through the abc news article well guess what no fucking links to the study no idea who the authors are no mm. description i uh, i posted in the, the link to the individual who was responding you know anybody got a link to the study thanks to whichever trans activist uh actually sent me a link to the study and i'm not you know no disparagement whatsoever i asked for a study i got the study thank you very much a lot of times people don't somebody else decided to wise off and mouth off to me <laughs> which didn't end well for them, um, <clears throat> at least from my perspective. So I read the study, and there's no control. It does say that there are positive... I didn't actually get into the anything beyond the abstract just because it's paywalled, uh, but they don't list what their, what their actual improvement scores are, but there's no control. So there's no comparative comparison to a... Uh, a group of people who didn't receive, a group of trans people of similar size who didn't receive gender-affirming care. It's just the people who received gender-affirming care. And one of the problems that you have is that we have studied desistance. Uh, we've got, uh, I think, 11 studies on it 
of various sizes and regions and whatnot. And what we consistently find is somewhere between 65 and 90% of children will desist, uh, assuming you don't go through hormone therapy with them, 60 to 90% will handle and kind of come into themselves uh, uh, by the time they turn 19, right? The, the dysphoria goes away. The problems with it go away. 65 to 90, 90% are normal, healthy, gay individuals, right? And that's that's what ends up happening to about 80% of them uh, is they, they, they end up being gay by the time they, they turn uh, 19. No surgery required. Yeah, I think I've heard right? that. Uh, I think I've heard similar numbers to that, actually. Yeah. It, it's, it's about 65 to 90%. Um, this did not include a baseline. So if people are naturally growing out of that anxiety and depression that comes along with being a fucking teenager and going through puberty, how do you sit there and compare and say, yep, this actually improved if you don't have a baseline that didn't receive your t proposed treatment protocol? They should have a similar size control group, which receives standard uh, psychotherapy and anxiety treatment. You know, right? I have That's a what feeling be... if they actually did include such a control group that the results would be drastically less useful to their needs. Well, that's possible, but you don't know, right? That's you don't true. know, and and so that's so true. because you don't know, you you have no baseline. And then they the study also sat there and said that three point five percent of the individuals. Uh, had suicidal ideation or actually committed suicide, right? Also, not a great outcome, right? We hear all the time that the the primary reason that we transition these people is because it's to save them from committing suicide, which is about the only viable reason that sterilizing children is even on the table as like a discussion point. Otherwise, it's straight eugenics and immoral, Right, but if your choice is sterilization versus suicide, obviously sterilization is the preferred path. But yeah. we don't know because we don't have a control group. We can't determine whether or not the suicidal affect of these individuals is different between a control group and a non-control group. And so you present this to uh, the this individual who was arguing with me, and uh, <laughs> they turn around and say, "Well, the mental health outcomes are worse." For people who are, uh, you know, who are not receiving gender-affirming care, and my response was very simple: How do you know? Like, what's your basis? And this is the same thing that we talk. Like, I, I run into this with. It's a consistent theme on this show for me when I go up and I, I talk with Craig. As much as politically we align on certain things, these this is the kind of shit that really pisses me off because ultimately. We're supposed to be testing whether or not gender-affirming care is a viable treatment, whether hormonal intervention is a viable treatment. That is literally the headline that ABC News came out with, is that it is a viable treatment. But you can't know that if you don't sit there and control for the fact that these people are just naturally going through their life, right, and naturally growing up and naturally coming out of puberty and naturally gaining better neurological development naturally fitting into their social orders in high school a little bit better if it turns out like you said that uh the the overall uh, dysphoria uh generally went away in people who had either i uh, really you should have four control groups right you should have, you should have your gender affirming care or four you four test groups you should have gender affirming care you should have uh standard psychotherapy and anxiety treatment uh, you should have no treatment whatsoever, and then you should have a placebo group. 
right? A group that receives gender-affirming care without the hormones, right? They just, mm. like, they go in and see the doctor, they just get a sugar pill. Sure. That's yeah. what they're assigned. Uh, so, so is it, and, and that way you'd be able to tell uh, between all of these groups whether or not the hormones themselves have an effect or whether it's social, just growing up or whether it's, uh, you know, being told that, you know, you're receiving the treatment that you need for your condition. These are all possible impacts. And, it, you know, it's great that they did a study with 300 people, and it's great that they did a bunch of psychrometric testing. Those are the kinds of things that I want to see, and a lot of times they don't even cover that far in these studies. They have very high dropout rates. They have a lot of other problems. But to not have control groups, to not have a baseline by which you can compare, and then in the abstract they didn't actually list what the uh, performance improvement was, so my assumption is it's actually probably not very good. Wow. Uh, and, so that, and we don't know what the... It really kind of sounds like the whole thing falls apart. I, I don't know, right? So, I, it, again, it the study's like... paywalled. Oh, the study's right. paywalled, so I'd have to get into it and go through the whole thing and read it. But this is this is the shit that pisses me off. This is the, the J versus the P's, right, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, psychological personalities. Because people like me are going to turn around and read that study and go, yep, you don't have a control. We're done. Right? I'm out. Yeah, I'm I'm all willing to sit there and attend and listen to your uh, whatever it is that you want to talk about with gender affirming care. But if you don't have those individual test groups, you haven't proven your conclusion. And the uh, I think the final thing, uh, you know, the individual who was sitting there and calling me a bigot and everything else uh, said, "What ev evidence do you have for desistance?" I went through. I linked the studies that I've read for desistance. They argued that well, that's because they changed the definition. And so, therefore, it got better. I'm like, okay, can you provide me evidence of that? And the only evidence that they're able to provide is that uh, they provided a paper that suggests that after two years, the majority of teenagers who are put on hormones are still on them. And that's a terrible fucking conclusion, which doesn't tell you shit. Because no. if I turned around and I was handed a drug and I was told if I stop taking this, I will try to kill myself. Oh, yeah, you're going to take stop that being fucking normal drug. when you stop taking this, by the way. Well, yeah, but if you are told that the reason for all of your stress and all of your anxiety is that you have the wrong hormones in your system, you start taking the right hormones, or the, the quote-unquote right hormones, and then you're told if you stop taking them that you're going to go kill yourself, are you going to continue to take them at the end of two years? Mm -hmm, yeah, valid, uh, valid question. Most people probably are. Yeah. Most parents are going to ensure that you take your hormones. They're going to go through the effort. And then you have this whole entire, oh, like, what do I tell my parents if I want to desist? It's not a measure of desistance. It's just a measure of the fact that people are still on the prescription that they were given two years ago. Right? You just, you don't go off antipsychotics just for shits and giggles. That's not something that happens for people who are on them. Well, yeah, so, I, mean, I guess a lot can be said for the fact that this conversation hasn't been allowed to occur so yeah. that these people could understand that, hey, you can just stop. Well, I mean, you should if you if you are in a position where you do have some some sort of psychiatric condition, whatever that may be, uh, you should, if you want to go sit there and experiment with lower doses or going off your meds, you should do it under doctor's supervision. Oh, sure, yeah. right. You you should like that is not something that you should just go off and go do just because you want to be normal. Uh, it is something that you should. Consult your doctor and work with. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it, right? 
Uh, certain things are easier. If you're, you know, for instance, if you have ADHD and you're just on a stimulant, okay, you can stop taking that. It's going to suck for, 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 for a few weeks or a month. Uh, and then you're going to have to learn coping mechanisms to be off of it. But you can do stuff like that. But if you're on something that regulates your moods, I would definitely not be doing that without just, you know, doctor consultation. Active, active, uh, very active there. But that was that was the stuff that kind of pissed me off is you can't draw conclusions because people are still on the meds. And plus, cross-sex hormones are a hell of a drug. You give a girl testosterone and she's going to feel like a million bucks. Her sex drive is going to go through the roof. She's going to get physically stronger. She's going to have better object orientation and geospatial orientation. It is overdrive. You, you talk to women who get get this naturally through pregnancy, like a, a woman who has a male child. The male child is basically pumping out testosterone while in the womb to try to develop. Uh, and the women will become like super crazy. Sex all the time, just, just crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, you know, in overdrive. Hmm. You start talking about handing estrogen to men; uh, they're going to feel better about themselves as well, right? You're, we're going to get so, we're going to get better physical features. We tend to get softer skin. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get more aesthetically pleasing faces because ultimately women are more pleasing than men to look at, even to both both to both men and women. Uh, we are going to end up with a whole bunch of other positive features: better hair. Um, so if you happen to be into your physical appearance a lot, which is not abnormal for uh, that 20% of men that's more interested in women's things, uh, you start taking estrogen, you're going to feel a lot better. You're going to look at yourself as if it's a lot better. So cross-sex hormones are a hell of a drug. So not only are you being told by the doctors and your friends that if you go off this, you'll commit suicide, but on the other, you're basically running around high all the time. Of course they're going to stay on it. That's not telling you whether or not that's that's necessary. You need to compare it to a control group that doesn't receive your treatment option, and that way you can actually baseline it using the exact same study design, exact same study parameters, the exact same research scientists, and ideally it should be double-blind so that the scientists themselves aren't influencing the actual study. But they didn't do any of that, and so it's not valid. Yeah, man, I... Um... I can see that being a big argument. Yes, indeed. Kind of the nature of things, I suppose. You know, bad science is bad science. You really want a control group. Always get a control group. Because then you'll know if what you did did anything at all. Yep. Well, I mean, and, and that's the kind of shit that you see. <clears throat> Everything that I'm contrarian on, uh, and I deviate from mainstream science, it's always things where they don't have a controlled experiment uh they don't have a statistically valid sample size they don't have very good parameters or they or also if they fudge the numbers fudging the numbers <laughs> i i don't want to i don't want to say the numbers were fudged because that's not accurate it is uh they're fudging their conclusions it's more or less what it is well, well fair enough but yes, indeed. Fudging. Fudging things. Right. So let's see. No. Have we got any other uh, fun news? Oh, there is the fun news. The um, That FBI official, the guy that was doing the uh, the 
Trump Russia thing, the guy that was, you know, in charge of that investigation. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, it turns out that unfortunately he's got ties to Russia and China, like this Oleg What a fucking surprise. Deripaska, some Russian oligarchs paying his bills. What are you gonna do? It's a funny old world. Funny, funny old world. Yeah. Yeah. I uh yeah, it's amazing how that happens. Oh, but I do actually have a... Uh, I don't know if it's good yet. And in and of itself, it's not necessarily, but in context, might be. And this is out of the Kerry Lake War Room. Uh, Shelby Bush, who's uh, working with them, confirmed after reviewing the system log files from the tabulators on Election Day that nearly 250,000 ballots were misread on... Mm. Uh, that's with 446 tabulators across the county. That's a pretty substantial amount. What is what is going on with the Carrie Lake case? I know that she was going to the. I know that the next court took it up. And it has been expedited, right. as a matter of fact. So yeah, but there... has has it gone anywhere, or is it just we've agreed to hear this case? I believe they're presenting their evidence and everything now. Huh. So I I believe it's begun, although I don't know the timelines, I guess would be the best thing to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that it is <coughs> going to be very, very difficult to overturn it, given that the standard of proof is actual malice. Yeah, they've set a pretty high bar, but... They have it. It might. It might. Because I don't know. They've. I, I they've haven't really, seen anything they've that really shows crossed their teeth and dotted their eyes on this. So uh, they did. They certainly did a better job than Trump and his lawyers did. Right. Yeah. That's definitely true. But at the same time, I haven't seen anything here that meets that standard of actual malice. They have shown gross incompetence. Uh, but unfortunately, gross incompetence is not actual malice. No. Now that said, is it there? Probably. Can they prove it? That's the problem with so much of this. It's like I can tell you about. Uh, I can tell you about the difference between eighty-nine million, or sorry, between fifty-nine million and eighty million all day long. But at the end of the day, yep. what does that difference matter? The person yes, that was indeed. installed was installed, and there's nothing that can be done about it. Other than the fact that CNN is starting to report on his fuckery, and other networks are starting to report on his fuckery. So it might be that they finally decided that since January 20th, the actual literal date that they had to wait for has passed, now Kamala would be eligible for two full terms despite serving you know two years so they can at any time just go ahead and say all right um you're not doing what we ask you to do so you're leaving but who knows i mean that's that's all just conjecture i mean who the fuck knows really but things are weird they're complicated and we will just kind of stay on top of it because you know that's what we try and do here right yes indeed well sir i think that's a decent note to sign off on. So um, you can find my man Steve here at Ratman720. It will actually auto-complete for you. 
as opposed to uh, Craig. Yeah, it turns out turns out that I don't piss them off too too much. No, no, ride the line just so, just so. You I can think f- uh, I, I think I've got like one bit of shadow banning, but I can't remember what it is. Oh, and I'll include a link to that uh, post millennial article that's got the uh, the breakdown on what's happening with that investigation. Uh, but with that, I'm Evan, and you can find me at that fake guy Dan everywhere. Uh, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to share or support the uh, podcast, that'd be awesome. Uh, mostly share, that would be great. But if you actually want to support us in any manner, that would be also greatly appreciated, so that I can you know make this into something a little better. Either way, though, that's right. Thanks for Evan being owes here. me. Owes me my money. <laughs> that's right. Give me money so I can give him money. Anyway, we'll see you soon. Where's my money? Yeah. You heard him. <laughs>